Hi, this is Greg Rempe, host of the Barbecue Central Radio Show. And you are listening to BCRN, all barbecue and grilling all the time. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show, the show where we talk about all things that are important in the world of barbecue. From big-name interviews with competitors on the barbecue circuit, grill manufacturers and pit makers, to advice on cooking brisket and ribs, you'll find it all right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Your host, Greg Rempe, is a backyard barbecue and grilling fanatic and loves to talk about his passion, which many of us share together. You can learn more about barbecue and grilling by visiting the website, thebbqcentral.com. Now, let's get in the smoke. Here's your program host, Greg Rempe. Hey gang, welcome to another edition of the Barbecue Central Show. It's the really big barbecue show, by the way, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the Barbecue Capital of the North Coast. Happy to have you aboard here on a Tuesday. I'm your program host, by the way, Greg Rempe. If you haven't met me, good to meet you. Thanks for tuning in on a Tuesday to talk outdoor, live fire, cooking and grilling, and pretty much everything that's related to that industry. Let me give you some contact information in case you want to jump in on the show tonight. You can do it one of two ways. You can do it with the toll-free number, which is 877-448-0433. You can also email the show at any point. Greg at the com is the email address. Once again, toll-free, 877-448-0433. My dime. You just go ahead and talk about something that's related to the industry, and we'll be better for it. You can jump in anytime you want. Just do it. All right, here's what's happening on the show because it's very big, as we call it, the Very Big Barbecue Show. Coming up next segment, Rod Gray, longtime friend of the show, somebody that we haven't talked to in a while. But he'll be coming on talking about his big win in Lenexa, Kansas this past weekend at the uh, great Lenexa Barbecue Cook-Off or whatever it is. So uh, join Ray and coming uh, or join Rod in about 13 minutes from now. Coming up about 35 past the hour, we're going to have Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy joining us. Diverging a little bit from the normal talk that we would have from him, we're going to go a little international. Tried to hook up John Finch, who is the director of the United Kingdom uh, Grill Stock, but wasn't able to do that because right now it's about 3 o'clock in the morning there, and he didn't want to get up for my piddly-dink internet radio show. Who can blame him? I can't. Uh, But Ray Lampy is going to be going over there, taking part in there. I believe it's his second year, so we'll talk to him and see what it's like. American-style barbecue cuisine over in a different country. So check it out. Ray Lampy coming up about 35 past the hour. Second hour, Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue. He's been on the show a rash of times here recently, of course, notably talking about the Q Cologne that they had reached a couple weeks ago. But they were competing in the uh, Safeway Barbecue Beltway Showdown or whatever it's called out there in Washington, D.C., and they took grand champion. So we're going to talk to him about the big win. That's a unique setup there, especially since it was uh, divergent from the way it had been going on the last couple of years or the last 15 years or whatever it is, uh, they got away with the MBN or got away from MBN for whatever reason. And uh, it was a 
two-day Kansas City Barbecue Society event. Two turn-ins on a Saturday, two turn-ins on a Sunday. So people had to change it up a little bit, and we'll get their take on that as well. Plus, I had my embedded reporter, Kelly Dodd, down there, and we got some great on-site interviews from the likes of QWOW, Jack's Old South, uh, that would be Myron Mixon, Bare Knuckle Barbecue, also uh, Cereal Griller, and then we got the winner of a uh, very quick interview with the winners, uh, Heath Hall. So we'll get their immediate reaction a little bit later in the show, but we'll talk to them live in a person in the second hour. Quick update about the iTunes feed, and I have to apologize because at some point, a number of you had emailed in saying, hey, the show won't download specifically to my phone anymore because if you have an iPhone, you can go right into the iTunes store and subscribe to the podcast and you're able to download single shows right to the phone without having to interface with iTunes. And at some point, that stopped happening, and I couldn't really figure out what was going on. But uh, thanks to Mr. Culp, I was kind of alerted to some inner workings of the XML feed. And I found that instead of my uh, feeds or my particular enclosures for the audio file saying HTTP, which, of course, is what we all know you would start most web pages with, uh, the hypertext protocol, Somehow that got switched to HRRP, and guess what? It doesn't make for a very good transfer of files. So at some point, that happened, and then bang, there you go. It was ruined. You weren't able to go ahead and and get it. So what are you going to do? It's been rectified, so you should be able to download all of the newest shows right to your iPod, right to your iPhone from now on. Uh, That fix has been made. I apologize for that, but glad we caught it. Uh, Also, something that has been happening for the last couple of weeks, I'm sure you've noticed, some of you haven't actually, and I've asked you about it specifically off air, but we've done away with those uh, produced commercial spots and we've gone to live reads like right during the show. Maybe you haven't noticed how transitional I've made it, where we complete a thought or complete a segment and I roll right into somebody that's sponsoring the show. Right now we have three sponsors. We're getting ready to bring on a fourth sponsor in the beginning of July. I have just been contacted by one of the biggest pit manufacturers probably in the world about potentially becoming a sponsor as well. So the show blowing up, but I'm not about the I'm not about all about the money. I want to make sure that there is still mostly show and mostly me because that's what you tune in for. <laughs> But it's good to gravy train a little bit off the the success of the show as well. So uh, look for that uh, coming up here. But I'm integrating the commercials with the show, making it seamless, not having the same spots over and over again every commercial break, and hopefully uh, drawing your interest. Because as I say, people ask me all the time, what can we do to help the show out? Well, of course, there's one thing that you can do more. Don't send me thank you notes for how great the show is, although I love to read those. If you have a rub need or a sauce need or a cooker need or whatever the case may be, and they're a sponsor of the show, I ask that you give them first priority. That's all that I'm asking. Give them first priority. Take a look. See what they have. Get in contact with them. Tell me you heard about them on the show and that you would like to work with them. That's all I'm asking. Go ahead and give them first priority. Frequent the sponsors of the show because they are asking me to help drive traffic to them. So whether you're doing it live, whether you're not doing it live, whether you're doing it on podcast, take the time when you're looking for rubs, grills, cookers, and all this other stuff that my sponsors uh, will give to you. Check them out. Do it for me. And I would uh, be happy to refer them back to you as well. So that's the live read portion. And uh, briefly, 
Got to call out my man, John Dawson from Patio Daddio Barbecue. Made it a point in the chat room, by the way, and I know some of you other guys saw that he was going to be in Cleveland for four days over the weekend. Guess what? Not one call from that scumbag. Are you kidding me? You came to my hometown. You told me you were coming to my hometown. I made wide sweeping changes in my schedule to accommodate when I got the phone call. And you didn't even give me a fine. How do you do? Look, I know you hate Cleveland, John, but you're not even going to spend five minutes in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, the barbecue capital of the North Coast, with the premier talk radio show host on the interwebs dealing with barbecue and grilling. You're not going to afford me that time? Next time I get to Boise, buddy. All right, well, of course, the problem is I'm not going to get to Boise. But nevertheless, don't tell me you're going to come to Cleveland. Get me hyped up and then not give me that call so I can meet. I love to meet the Central Lights in person. I've done it a number of times. And then to be just shined on like that. I've never been hurt before in such my life. Also, as time permits, we're going to be giving away more of that Albuquerque seasoning, which you can find at albuquerqueseasoning.com. We have the sauce and we also have the rub. So, uh, Towards the end of the show, if you're straggling along there, uh, albuquerqueseasonings.com will be happening. Look, folks, I know I told you about it last week because it was the greatest Father's Day gift that I ever got on the face of the earth, which is my Accutron Bowl of a Watch. Uh, let me uh, put this up here. For the people that are watching, it's my personal favorite watch, and I got it from Stephen DeFranco Jeweler. They are, he is, Steve is a sponsor of the show. I've been getting some emails going, well, isn't Steve kind of stretching out here? He's talking barbecue, but he's actually a jeweler or this, that, and the other thing. Well, look, here's the problem with all of that, or here's the good thing about all of that that you should take into consideration. Steve is a barbecue guy at heart. Have you ever gone onto the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage and actually clicked on the banner and see the landing page that it takes you and scroll down to the bottom? He's got a good one smoker with a meatloaf on it and his... You know, shorts and sandals out there on a fine day that you usually get here in Cleveland. Not kidding. He's a barbecue guy who just happens to be one of the premier retailers of jewelry right here in Cleveland, Ohio. But he ships all over the country. And he's giving you the opportunity right now. And it's a Father's Day special that has been held over for the next uh, week or so where you get 30, 30% off. That's right, 30% off any Accutron bowl of a watch plus... If you mention me or Steve, Greg or Steve, and then you say barbecue brother. So say Greg and Steve are barbecue brothers or Steve's a barbecue brother, whatever. However you want to work in Steve, Greg, and barbecue brother in a sentence, they'll give you an additional $50 off on top of that. You will get free shipping to your door. You get free gift wrapping in case, uh, ladies, you're going to be buying it for your man. Or buy it for yourself, ladies, and have it gift wrapped and sent to you. It's very awesome. You get free batteries for life. You get free engraving. They'll polish it for free. Assuming you live within the fine Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, they'll even come to your house and set the time for you. That's exactly what it's all. But look, you have to call in, and you do that by going to the website, stephendefranco.com, or you can go via the link on the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage. It's very simple. Just call in and say, hey, I want the Father's Day special. Heard it on the Barbecue Central Radio show, Greg and Steve Barbecue Brothers. 30% off. 50 extra dollars off of the 30% off. That's like a free watch plus $75 cash in hand, I think, if my math is correct. So, and then with the free shipping, that's probably another 10 or 15 bucks. The free gift wrapping, who knows the labor hours that go into that. Uh, plus, 
go to their Facebook page. Just search Stephen DeFranco uh, for their Facebook page right now, and then you have the opportunity of winning an additional $100 gift card right now if you submit a barbecue side dish. Steve is looking for that outstanding, phenomenal barbecue side dish. People are flooding his email inbox with all sorts of entries, but if you have the one that is going to claim you a $100 gift card, from Stephen DeFranco. You send it to him. He's going to have a couple drawings, whittle it down to some finalists, and then as long as you're on the Facebook page and you like it, just go ahead and send him that uh, recipe or post it right there on Facebook. You could be a winner of a $100 gift certificate to Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. It doesn't get any better than that. Forget it. It doesn't get any better than that. And that's why we love Stephen DeFranco. And again, you can find him, Stephen DeFranco. That's D-I-F-R-A-N-C-O, StephenDeFranco.com. Or you can just use a link right on the Barbecue Central Radio Network's homepage. Scroll down. You'll see him. He's waving high at you. And that'll take you right to the special Barbecue Lovers section where you get awesome discounts. Be sure to use that number mentioned. Greg and Steve and Barbecue Brother to get that extra $50 off, that 30% on the Accia Bowl of Bolivar Accutron watches. I love my watch. I love it. I love it. People notice it. They want to talk about it. it. Makes me feel good. I'm not a blingy guy by any stretch of the imagination, but it makes me feel good when people actually realize that I have a finely crafted timepiece on my hand. And it'll make you feel better. Plus, you're saving a huge amount of money on top of it. And one thing I know about Central Lights, they love saving money. All right, we're going to wrap up this opening segment. John Dawson, next time you're in town, man, you better call me up or it's going to be fight time, buddy. It's going to be fight time. You know where I live, in the hood in Euclid. You know what we do down here. Uh Let's raise up uh, Rod Gray. Stand by. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 13 past the hour. Don't forget, coming up next segment, Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy is going to be talking about international American barbecue cuisine over in England. At Grillstock, he's going to be there second year. Also, coming up in the second hour, Keith Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue is going to be talking about their win at the Safeway a DC Beltway Barbecue Battle Extravaganza Extraordinaire. They won it. So we're going to be talking about that and changes of that competition. Then we have uh, Kelly Dodd interviews as well. So stay tuned for all of that. However, joining me now, the grand champion this past weekend at Lenexa. Team of the Year in 2009, runner-up last year. Graciously sponsored, of course, by Greased Lightning and Easy Grill, one of my favorite guys to talk barbecue with. Oh, by the way, he just happens to be pit master of Pellet Envy Competition Cooking Team. It's Rod Gray joining me. Rod, how are you, buddy? Oh, sure, Greg. Suck up now, but we haven't talked in months, buddy. I know. What is going on, Rod? Well, I've been working on, I've been perfecting a recipe for your jewelers contest all this time. I'm thinking of buying some frozen meatballs and wrapping bacon around them and giving them a brand new name and submitting that because 
That seems to be the trend. Hey, all right. Anything frozen with bacon around it is going to win you at least $100 in cash at Premier Retailers here in Cleveland, that's for sure. Uh, all right, Rod, so let's talk about last weekend. It's the uh, great uh, Lenexa barbecue battle. It's 195 teams. So this is obviously one of the bigger events during the course of the year. You've had a few days away from it now. Due to the amount of the teams that are attending these events, and you've been obviously to other well-attended events by competitors, when you go into those events, do you have a thought of it's kind of luck of the tables attitude to a certain degree, or does it not matter for any size of the event for you? You're just going in and you're going to do the same thing regardless of size. Um, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the same thing regardless of where I am. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you look at a contest like Lenexa, it's in its 30th year. Um, you see teams come and go that win this thing that you've never heard of before and never hear of again. Uh, mixed, you know, with a spattering of some of the traveling teams and, Truthfully, even more so than probably the American Royal, which is far and away the biggest at about 500 teams. You know, nowadays, the Lenex is the second biggest contest in the country. But at that event, you just kind of shrug your shoulders, turn it in and hope for the best. That's all you can do out there. Rod Gray joining us here on the show. All right. So looking back over the course of the weekend, Rod, you know, you load in, you do your cook. Anything out of the ordinary that happened that you had to contend with this weekend that you'd like to share with us? (laughs) Are you reading my Facebook post? Never. Are you doing that again? No, this is you my. Know, I'm a professional um, question asker. You've never been to Lenexa, Greg, but uh, Lenexa is a big, huge party where they also happen to maybe have a barbecue contest. It's like nothing else you've ever attended. Those people who have been there know what I'm talking about. Uh, I got a comment on a forum today that asked me if I could now retire from that event. Um, and Lenexa is like nothing you have ever seen. They shoehorn roughly 200 of us into this park and they're it's almost like a, a Memphis and May style event in that there are almost no trailers. You know, in fact, they frown on you bringing anything other than a tent and some sort of a cooker. And, um, I didn't really think much about it. This is my third year to cook it. I've attended a couple of years and I didn't think much about it until we were at awards and they were calling everybody's name. Anybody who won an award, it dawns on me is pretty much from, Johnson County, which is one of the roughly five counties in the Kansas City metro area. So this is really, truly almost a local event of guys that probably cook two contests a year. They cook the Lenexa event, and then they probably wander down to the Royal and and cook it, too. Um, So everything about this is unique. And honestly, I have been next to some of the worst teams in barbecue in terms of barbecue etiquette, and they always seem to end up as my neighbor at the Lenexa contest. I mean, guys like Maximum Loin and Burnt Reynolds, and a, and a shout-out to my neighbors this year that, that absolutely and completely stole the show, uh, Mad Cow, Angry Beaver. Um, those guys were the worst I've ever, ever had, and I've cooked about 350 contests. All right, so, Rod, you've broken rule number one of the show, which, of course, is no names, please. But when you talk about uh, barbecue etiquette when it comes to the neighbors around you, for the people that don't know, what are you referring to specifically? Well, for one, we have quiet hours. But at Lenexa, you know, even though they tell you in the cook's meeting that they're going to enforce them, you know, honestly, they don't, they get enforced very laxly. And, and so, you know, we had well-amplified music uh, all through the night. Um, it got a little quieter at times and, and not so quiet at other times. Of course, my neighbor had a huge party, um, way overflowed their spot. They bought one porta pot so there was such a line for it that the guys were finding other ways 
at the party to to uh, to relieve themselves. Um, just it's just madness. It's, this is this is like no event. Even the American Royal Dark Side. This is like no event that uh, that you've ever ever cooked. I was just going to ask you about the dark side, but I'm glad you touched on that. Rod Gray joining us here from Pellet Envy. His website, by the way, pelletenvy.com. And as I mentioned, uh, graciously sponsored by Grease to Lightning and Easy Grill. So you got to check them out as well. Uh, Rod, when you have a bunch of local cooks that are showing up and, as you said, maybe cook one or two contests a year, is it hard to – let me rephrase that. Do you expect – to do better than them because they're only doing one or two contests or does it add that much more of a crapshoot to it because they could just come off with a one-off great opportunity and they could walk off with the whole thing? Well, since I'm probably already starting to get hate mail from the comments I've made so far, why stop now? <laughs> um, honestly, you know, there's been a lot of stories about the Lenexa event, but they pull from the same pool of judges they've been pulling from for 30 years. And I don't know the percentage of certification. I don't know if they bother to host a judging class, but I think it's twofold. I think you've got a bunch of judges who have been there forever. They only judge Lenexa, and they're going to judge it their way. And then, two, I think you've got a bunch of teams. Now, listen, let me say this. Just because a team only cooks one or two contests a year does not make them a bad team. They can be very competitive. But when you see the level of of private parties they have at this event – I, I would tell you there are probably as many or more private parties at this event than there are at the American Royal. And so as a result, you know, you can only you can only spread yourself so thin. So if you're busy entertaining 200 people uh, in a 20 by 20 spot on Friday night, the odds are the level of your barbecue is probably not going to be awesome on Saturday morning. And are people trying to just hit you up and meet you, say hi, or are you pretty much left alone? You know, it's funny about this event. Most people don't know me at this event. A few did. Um, a neighbor I didn't know came by. Um, I will tell you, I took the small green pit out, and uh, it just—it's like it, it just attracts people to it. But they want to sit on it. They want to lean on it. They want to <laughs> set their food on it. You know, I try to tell folks that my small my small jambo is like my Corvette. But at Lenexa, all that's out the window, and and it's you spend your evening kind of defending your 20 by 20 space if you're not having a party. And I was probably the only, you should have seen my aisle and, and there are plenty of barbecuers that listen to your show that would attest to it. But I would have told you there were 40,000 people roaming this park because I couldn't get out of my spot because of all the people all around. But as I, I was told later that it wasn't really probably as highly attended as years past. So it just happened to be that everybody surrounding me had a huge party. All right, so let's go ahead and evaluate the turn-ins line by line here as you turned them in. Again, you finished grand champion out of 194 other teams. You make 195. A chicken, you get called the 25th. So, uh, you know, chicken seems to be, uh, and I've said it week after week, and it seems year after year talking with all the great pit masters out there on the competition circuit, it seems to be an Achilles heel. You, you do it really good one weekend or three weekends or four weekends in a row, and then it falls off for three or four weekends. How did you feel the chicken turned in before you got the score? Well, if, if you look at my season this year, I'm not, I'm not having, you know, I'm a little bit spoiled, and I'll admit that, but I, I can be humble about my defeats, and there have been plenty of them this year. And chicken hasn't been doing very well for us. So, and I tell students this all the time, but I, I sat down for a little bit, kind of reevaluated what I had been doing and if anything had changed um, in, in what I did in chicken. And I came up with one very small thing, and that is the ratio. I mix a couple of sauces together. And uh, like you said, no names, so I don't have to tell you that. 
And I had been over mixing one of them to the other. And so I equaled out the ratios again. That's the only change I made. And truthfully, in 195 teams, 25th place, that's not too bad. Nope. In fact, that's probably a, a, a probably a top 10 finish in a 50-team contest. Oh, absolutely. Um, we tasted it. It wasn't perfect, but it was better than it had been. All right, so 25 on chicken, and then ribs come up. You pull a third out of 194 other teams, so you had to be feeling pretty good about that. We were, because, you know, Sherry was there this weekend, and, and like I tell people, when I stick my, my head in that pit all morning, my senses are kind of dull. So I, I think I'm always a better cook when Sherry's there to be my taster and kind of point out which was there. We weren't completely pleased with the ribs. Um, truth be told, we pulled some ribs from three different slabs to create enough to get in the box. Uh, but we picked our best product, and um, Sherry thought they were a little bit bland, so we, we did a couple of little tricks there at the end. We put them in the box and kind of shrugged our shoulders, and really, I would, I would tell you, we probably felt better about the improvement in our chicken than we did about the ribs we got in the box. Then we move on to pork, and lowest score out of all four, still, again, out of that many teams, you had a 28th overall, uh, so you're, you're very high up on the upper echelon scale there, but as it tasted versus how it was judged, what did you think about it? Well, okay, so pork's been my real Achilles heel probably since um, last year, sometime last year. So with it being Lenexa and with the evening I'd had, you know, I was a little fatigued, and I kind of went out of my... You know, I, 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 we've taught over 850 people, and we preach to stick to your game plan. So I tried something new in terms of a presentation. It didn't work. So we had really a pretty sloppy-looking box um, as far as we go. And I wasn't very proud of the box. I thought the pork tasted fine. It was my same recipe. It was just going to be a presentation change. It didn't work. And so, honestly, of the four boxes, it was the least pretty box by far, by far. But the pork was decent in the box. All right, so 28th over there. Now, uh, I mean, you have a top, you have a third finish, you're 25th, you're 28th. So you got to be feeling pretty good. There probably wasn't a lot of uh, other teams are getting called, you know, within that top 1 to 15 range where you were looking at competition. So when brisket comes up and you're called grand champion, obviously you know at that point that you have a, uh, you've pretty much attained grand champion for Lenexa at that point. No, not at all. Just the opposite, Greg, and here's why. Obviously, they only call the top 10, so I don't know where I finished 25th in chicken, and I don't know I finished 28th in pork. And so I've got this third-place rib call, and then we win the brisket category. By the way, we were, I was happy with the brisket. You know, if, if you look at our scores, um, I made one small change to get back to where I was in brisket, and I've got three firsts, a second, a fifth, and then a 50th in Vegas, which um, it, it's always it's been the same brisket all, every, all those weekends, which is unusual for brisket, but... I know I've got a third. I know I've got a first. However, there are at least two teams that have three calls in the top ten mm. and a couple other teams that have two calls. And so I have no idea. And so much so that they were going to just call top three because it was only paying top three. And some people in the crowd yelled out, top ten, top ten. So the guy went and got the sheet. And so he starts to call out from number ten overall. And I'll be honest with you, we got to about number four overall, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, it's about the same run of luck I've been having pretty much all year. I tanked chicken and I tanked pork. And we get up and, you know, they call one of those three, those three top ten called teams as fourth. And I'm, sure, I'm thinking, okay, so the other one's got, got the grand champion. They get all the way to reserve and they call that team. Uh, uh, John Bird, Bird and his flock, old-time Kansas City team, Dominated that in Colorado years back. 
and uh, strong cook, just doesn't travel and cook much. And so then the group I'm sitting with, we're all looking at each other saying, well, who could be grand champion? Literally, <laughs> not just me, not just Sherry, but um, some other friends and teams that were there. And we're all looking at each other saying, who could be grand champion? So none of us really, really thought that I had it won, including Sherry and I, of course. All right. So where does this rank? You win Lenexa finally. Where does this rank amongst all the other wins and all the other accolades that you've garnered here over the last handful of years? Well, I haven't thought about that yet. Here's what I'll tell you about Lenexa. If you talk to any of the old guard, any of the old-time barbecue cooks who were doing this in the 80s and 90s, the guys who were winning the Royal and the Jack and, and, you know, all those teams, and I won't name names, but, you know, some of them have books out and some of them are from Kansas City. Well, the ones I'm talking about all are from Kansas City. If you talk to those old dominant teams, they all want to compete and win Lenexa. But us new guys who typically and honestly travel the country and cook and compete, you know, for the most part, we don't think a lot about Lenexa because Lenexa is pretty much attended by cooks that are just in this area. And the reason being is they have a, they have a completely unique system for registering for their event. And up until uh, I think this year, you had to go in person to their community center and get in line in the middle of the night for when they opened at 8 a.m. to get a spot in this contest. So you're not going to see a Tuffy Stone or a Johnny Trigg or, you know, a Ray Lampy or a Pork Barrel Barbecue or whoever register and cook in this event because unless they physically are in town to do this, they can't get in it. Hmm. So Lenexa is a big deal. It's, it is a big deal. A lot of tradition. 30th year for Lenexa. Averages 200 teams a year at this event. A lot of tradition. You know, the, the, the Grand Champion Trophy was a wool flag that and I, I'm I'm going to show my ignorance and not be able to tell you what it that, that that's got a sewn on design comes out of I looked at it, it comes out of like Massachusetts old school it's really really cool but it's all old school tradition and and I'm sorry I've been in this 11 years and I'm I guess I'm a little cynical but I don't have a lot of tradition in this yet so I love the win I love that I won the next to Kansas I know that it means something and it will probably mean more to me down the road. Rod Gray joining us here from the show, talking about the uh, win in Lenexa, Kansas this past weekend. Uh, Rod, uh, got one question left here before I turn you loose because we got a jam-packed show tonight. But uh, obviously, when we look and go to KCBS.us and look at Team of the Year standings right now, there's been one consistent name that's been up there you know, last three or four years right at the top uh, all the way through that 12-month time frame of the competition season. Pellet Envy noticeably absent from the top 10, sitting 12th, so not that far out. Uh, but, of course, everybody wanting to know what's going on in Pellet Envy camp and is everything all right? Are you doing other things outside of barbecue that have uh, pulled your interests away? Uh, what's, the Centralites need to know what's happening over there at Pellet Envy, Rod, so uh, tell us all about it. <laughs> oh, Greg, you and your uh, probing questions. Um, well, one, I'm not cooking as well. I'm just not. I've had to kind of, I've had to kind of cut my head in. And think about a couple of my process, processes. I think I got a little wild and weren't, wasn't paying quite as, as much attention to detail as I should have. And I think I'm starting to turn that around. And then out in Vegas, I got sick. And, you know, why it wasn't a life-threatening illness, it was the kind of sickness that I thought would go away in 24 hours. Actually, it did. I cooked Vegas, and I wasn't feeling well out there. And my scores showed it. And then driving home, I got sick again. And... I had to pull out of going to South Carolina that weekend, um, and it hung on this time for over a week, and I pulled out of Lee Summit the following weekend. 
then I got well and went up to Minnesota and I didn't cook very well because I'd had two weeks off and, and so my timing was off. And then I was going to go over to Topeka here and cook and I got sick again. So I think I'm finally over that and I think I'm back to cooking, you know, and being able to focus on that. And I, I, I hope you, you see Peladin come up a little bit. Is this Envy's year to, to come from behind and, and win team of the year? I doubt it. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to, I'm, I'm not going to try. It's, it's just, you know, we'll just put our heads down and we'll cook our food and we'll turn it in and we'll do our best with it. And, uh, I, you know, I, I hope you see Peladin be somewhere a little higher in the rankings when the season's over. But if, if it doesn't happen, then it just wasn't meant to be this year. And, and congratulations to the guys that are ahead of me. All right. Now, where are you going to be at next, Rod? Um, this weekend, actually, we're going to pull a doubleheader. We're going to stay close to home, an hour north of Kansas City in Cameron, Missouri. We're going to cook. And then we're going to travel three hours south and cook in Girard, Kansas, which is southeast corner of Kansas. So we're going to try to pull off two contests this weekend in hopes of making up one of those three those three that I missed uh, in, in the last few weeks. All right, give me a percentage on the, you winning both of the events that you go into this weekend. Greg, I, I don't completely have my confidence back in terms of cooking. So honestly, I'm going to tell you that I've got about a, about a 5% chance of winning both events pulling a double GC we've done it. We did it in Waterloo and Laporte a few years ago. Um, but, but it, one, I just, I'm just not sure I've got my sea legs under me. And two, I'm just not sure that I'm, I'm really hitting on all cylinders uh, right now. So I say the odds are pretty slim. I mean, when we go to cook, Greg, we don't go to lose. So don't get me wrong. We're going to give it a, give it our best shot, but, but we'll just see what happens. All right, Rod Gray going to double up this coming weekend. He just won Lenexa, Kansas this past weekend, and they're sitting 12th overall team of the year right now. Uh, but look for them to make a run here before it's all said and done. Rod Gray is a friend of the show. Rod, I always appreciate the time that you have for us, and uh, we'll hit you up again soon. We won't wait so long next time. That'd be great, Greg. I love talking to you and staring at that picture of you uh, that's kind of half-shaded. Thanks for plugging Easy Grill and Grease Lightning, my two major sponsors. Please, guys. If you get a chance and need a disposable grill, check them out. Or if you need a great all-purpose planer for your barbecue site, check out Grease Lightning. Fabulous product. I love the show, Greg. Have me back. I'd love to be on anytime. All right. Take care, Rod. There he is, Rod Gray. Doubling up. Doubling up this coming weekend. Oh, hard enough doing uh, one a weekend from what I understand. But uh, that'll win both of those. That'll get you back up in the race there very quickly. Also, like the fact that Rod was very honest with what's going on. Be honest. How many of you have go watch those, follow the standings like I do? There's been, you know, a good handful of teams that have been in that top 10 for the last three or four years. And Pellet Envy has been right at the top one or two, maybe three in the past couple of years. They won it two years ago. They were second. Uh, they were number one for the majority of their last year. And then they were going back and forth with QA, who ended up winning it. Uh, but for him to say, look, it, I just don't have it with me. I got sick. My timing's off. Not skirting the issues. So uh, one thing that rides high here on the show is you ask you a question, you just answer it straight out. I don't have my game. I'm not cooking well enough. And for a guy that is widely considered to be one of the best competition cooks out there on the circuit right now, to admit that he just doesn't have his game right now, I think shows a lot of chutzpah. So uh, congratulations to Rod for the big win this past weekend. And that could be the kick in the ass that the team needs. And I'm sure every other competition team doesn't want to see them start gaining traction and moving up the uh, rankings of Kansas City Barbecue Society. PelletEnvy.com is his website. And again, sponsored by Grease the Lightning and by Easy Grill. Gang, I got to tell you about a online retailer who has been a longtime sponsor of the show. And here's what I hate 
is the fact that somebody will say, hey, I found this great deal on a Weber Smoky Mountain cooker or this particular grill or this particular cookbook, and it's substantially less expensive than a Fred's Music and Barbecue. And I'm like, okay, well, good for you. I'm glad you have shopped around. You've done your due diligence on the interwebs. And uh, go ahead and place the order. And then two or three weeks later, I get an email going, well, it's still on back. Well, that's the problem, is the fact that you don't know who you're dealing with on the Internet. You need to deal with a reputable person out there who has inventories and able to fit your needs and meet your needs as you order it, right? I mean, you, I can put Weber Smoky Mountains on sale on my website for $5.85. I'm never going to get them in stock, and I'm never going to give it to you, but I'll take your money, and then you'll be very pissed off at me later because I didn't fulfill my end of the bargain. You'll slander me all over the internet and i would hate that uh, but that's why i always deal with fred's music and barbecue you can find them at fred's music and bbq.com not only that they have these new products that they're bringing out and it's not the traditional hardware stuff this is stuff that you're going to be putting on your barbecue they have the fab b or i'm sorry the tenderness b and the tenderness p fred has actually hired a food scientist and has been able to clone some of the very popular items that are out there. You mix it with apple juice, and then you just go ahead and do your traditional injections like you always do, especially with your competition, guys. It's been getting rave reviews, uh, by the way, on competition fields. It's been getting very good scores from the teams that are using it. Plus, he's got that Fred's Secret Sauce, and it's that sweet tang that's going on. I've tried it myself. I really like it. Uh, I do not prefer the overly sweet sauces. For instance, Blue's Hog Original, very sweet for me. I'm not a big fan of that. I have to cut it with something. Fred's sauce gives me that nice little middle-of-the-road thing that I'm looking for uh, with a little bit of tang. And he achieves it because he's using the same spice block that he uses with Fred's original smoking guitar player rub. So that same rub that's in the rub is in the sauce. So obviously when you're using them together, you're getting a substantially consistent product. And that's what's important. Consistency, consistency, consistency. Flavor profiles, higher cooking, all that stuff. Fred's Music and Barbecue is going to have it for you. And that's why you got to go to Fred's Music and BBQ.com. That's Fred's Music and BBQ.com. Or visit them if you're in beautiful Shillington, Pennsylvania. Ask for Fred, the smoking guitar player himself. And we are going to ring up Dr. Barbecue right now. Stick around. <laughs> Smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. We are back, and thanks again to Rod Gray for joining me. Don't forget, coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue going to be talking about their win down in Washington, D.C. this past weekend. Always fun to talk to Heath. I believe they have a new scent, uh, hickory-scented house fragrance or whatever it's called. (laughs) All right, uh, we tried for John Finch, but I believe one of the best fill-in guests you could ever have for a barbecue show is going to be joining me now, longtime friend of the show. We've had him on a number of times, multiple-time cookbook author. It's Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, joining us here on the show. Ray, how are you, buddy? 
I'm good, Greg. How are you? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Ray, and I uh, appreciate you joining me kind of in a fill-in role. I hate to say at this point I was uh, efforting John Lynch, the director of the grill stock that you're going to be attending over there in England. Uh, but look, let's be honest. It's roughly maybe 3 o'clock in the morning over there, and I wouldn't want to get up for an Internet radio show in England, let alone somebody in England getting up for an Internet radio show over here in the United States. But you're going to be taking part in it. So for the people that uh, aren't aware, uh, give us a little background about the event and then we'll kind of build in from there. I'm sure if John knew the importance of this show, he would have come on, but it is three in the morning. And But I am going. And, you know, I was there last year, and I'm going back this year. And Frankly, I probably know as much. You know what I mean? I could probably relate to you better than John could, what you guys would really appreciate about the event. Last year, Big Green Egg had a new distributor over in the U.K., and so they said to me, hey, we, you know, we need to go over there and help this guy get a start. And I ran across this event, Grill Stock, and it was you know, being billed as they were going to try and have an American-style barbecue festival, festival over there. So I called the guy, and, and John Finch, and, and he said, well, yeah, you know, we'd love to have you come, and we're looking for partners and sponsors and stuff. So, so I got him hooked up with the new Green Egg distributor over there. And it worked out really well. We hosted the Barbecue Academy over there, which was like the barbecue classes. And, and you know, the people were really interested in it. It was cool. The Internet has made the, the world so much smaller. And, and it was really a, a, a worthwhile event on everybody's part. Now, a year later, the big green egg guy over there is off and doing his thing. And he's doing real well. And we weren't going to go do it again. So I called John Finch and I said, hey, I'm not coming on behalf of Big Green Egg, but if you want to pick up my travel, I will come anyway because I had a really good time last year. And he said, sure, come on. So I'm sort of going as John's guest, and I'm going to help him host some of the awards and, and be the head judge. And I'm sure I'll do a couple of demos, too. I heard there's a couple of green eggs that showed up, and I'm always happy to cook on those. So I'm going to do a little bit of everything while I'm over there. But what they've done is it's uh, sort of an American-style barbecue contest. It was interesting. I heard you, you talking about the uh, the thing in D.C. this week. I didn't realize they had changed that around and turned in two each day. Well, that's sort of what they do at Bristol, too. Uh, they actually turn in, um, let me see, on the first day, they'll turn in chicken, beans, pork, and brisket. And then on the second day, they'll turn in dessert, chef's choice, and ribs. Now, the only ones that are going to count towards Grand Champ are chicken, ribs, pork, and brisket, but they require everybody to turn in all that other stuff. It's more of a festival food kind of a thing than our typical KCBS contest, but it's a pretty cool deal, and they turn in one of them things every two hours, so the the judging and the cooking and the eating goes on like for two days. It's really very cool. All right, so you're going to be turning in four of what is traditionally the four KCBS meats. Are they judging through any type of particular process, or is it going to be more of like a, a crowd favorite? You have a bunch of people that have been sectioned off and charged as being judges, and whatever tastes best is going to ultimately be picked as winner. No, there's a people's choice. That what they're doing is uh, requesting. They've got Costco over there as a sponsor, and they've got a bunch of meat. They've got a truck full of meat there. And the folks can bring their own meat, or they can use the house meat. But they're asking them to also cook as much as they can and send it over to the People's Choice Tasting Tent. Now, I don't really know how they handle it in there, but I'm part of the actual judging. And we do it very, it's not, it's structured a little differently than KCBS. Last year, there was only three of us, but there wasn't that many teams. This year, there are five of us. And we are a panel, and we'll be sitting there sort of in plain view. The folks can watch us judge. And the 
entries will come up one at a time. So all the chicken will come up and they can plate it. They're giving them plates, so it'll be like a normal dinner plate, but they can do whatever they want on that plate. The Europeans don't quite get the concept of taking really good food that you're so proud of and putting it in a styrofoam container. <laughs> totally kind of agree with them on that one. So they like to put it on a plate. So we'll get, I don't know, a dozen, 15 plates. I don't know how many entries there are this year. And they'll bring it all up and we'll judge them one at a time with similar criteria to KCBS. Now, they've added a couple of criteria that will be a tiebreaker if they need it. And that is sort of the, we will walk around and look at the overall appearance of their booths and how they're interacting with the people and that kind of stuff. But John has, has done a little bit of his homework and he understands that these guys really want something kind of like an American barbecue contest. So he's made that stuff, much like the beans in that, really just a, a little bit of a side show. You know, that would be the tiebreaker if there happened to be a tie. I doubt that it'll get used. But it, it's it, they're a lot more into it. They're a lot more interactive with the public, and, and it's pretty cool. It, it's a, a unique thing. I don't know that it would work here. Frankly, our, our cooks, you know, including myself, we're pretty spoiled with nobody really bugging us and making us do stuff like that. Um, but the guys over there are pretty into it still, and they like interacting with the people. And a lot of them have got restaurants to promote and, and products to sell, and so they kind of like doing it too. Ray Lampy joining us here, Dr. Barbecue. You can find him on the web, by the way, drbbq.com is Ray's website. He's going to be over in Bristol, uh, over there in jolly old England at Grillstock. Uh, kind of as uh, John Finch's, as he said, the guest, he's going to be demoing and he's going to be judging, all that fun stuff. Uh, Ray, as somebody who has been there already, and I'm... I'm probably the epitome of being a myopic American when it comes to barbecue. It ends here. It, it begins here. It ends here. Everything in the middle happens here, and nothing ever happens anywhere else. Just this is why soccer sucks. Uh, however, uh, since you've been there before, what's the gauge and the popularity and the interest in American-style barbecue over there? Well, curiosity is the first word that comes to mind. Um, they they are interested in it because again because of the internet they really do know a little bit about it but they've never really seen it in person and and they they've only heard about some of the people that do it and the equipment there's some guys that have built equipment and stuff so so they're really curious about it the the food that i saw over there um while it didn't suck as much as i was led to believe it would it was different they they definitely don't use as much sugar as we do certainly in their barbecue but really in everything they cooked I guess it didn't surprise me, you know, it sort of crept up on us in my lifetime, but everybody tells us we eat too much sugar, and, and based on what I tasted in England, I would say that's right. So if I were cooking there, I'd probably tone it down a little bit. They like vinegar a little bit more than we do, I guess, would be what I would say, and, and less on the sugar. But but they get the concept of cooking with wood, most of the world does. Um, it's the, the sauces and the, the specific cuts of meat that we like to use that make the American barbecue different than cooking over fire around the rest of the world. Um, one of the things that I really liked about it, when I went there, you know, especially as the Green Egg Chef, I've got to figure out a way to try to tell the people with the new Green Eggs how to cook what's available at the stores there. And when you go into the butchers and, and the grocery stores, the pork almost always has the skin left on. Wow. Now, they score it, and these folks know how to cook it. So when they get done cooking a pork roast or a hog or whatever it may be, there's this beautiful crispy skin on the outside, and it's great. The only problem is you can't really do it cooking low and slow like we do. So I took one of a big pork shoulder roast that they had made up and had this scored up skin on it. Now, they would typically salt the heck out of it and then cook it hot so that the skin ended up really crunchy. And I ate some of that, and it was 
delicious. Mm. But I tried to show them how I was going to cook it low and slow till it all fell apart. And that was good. They loved the meat, but the skin was like leather and inedible. And they were a little bit pissed at me for that, frankly, because they love the skin. And, and uh, Americans can't understand how much these guys like eating skin and how good it is. One of the things I cooked was a slab of spare ribs sliced into, but on the slicer while it was raw, into maybe half-inch pieces. Sometimes you had a half a bone, sometimes you had a whole bone or no bone, whatever. But it was the spare rib with the skin and the meat and the fat all left on. So it had this little strip of skin on top. And when you grilled this thing like a pork chop, so you had this spare rib meat with this little strip of crunchy skin on it, man. It was delicious. So they're used to cooking that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's really a pretty close cousin to American barbecue. They're interested in our barbecue, but they're not very far off. But truthfully, their palate, really, they're not going to like the sweet, sticky sauces that we use. Smoked meat, hey, the whole world's eating that, and they like it. So if you want, if you lived in England and you were, maybe you came over to the States and you got hooked in it, you were in the Carolinas, you were in Kansas City, you were in Texas, or you were in Memphis, and you wanted to go back home to England and become a pit master, what's the availability of equipment out there as compared to here in the States? Well, Weber's got a huge presence over there. They're a big sponsor of grill stock. Um, and some of the other grill companies do as well. Big Green Egg, now we're making a real strong push over there. So that kind of stuff is available. Now, there is a company over there that makes something, an offset. Um, I can't remember the name of it. There's been a few different names over the years. But there's somebody over there making them. You don't see very many of them. In general, guys would have to build their own. I, I, you know, but I, when I started on the barbecue circuit with KCBS in the early 90s, heck, it was like that here, too. You know, it's really only very recently that we could store-bought, we had store-bought barbecue smokers. So, I, you know, 20 years ago, it, it, it's like we were 20 years ago. There's guys building cool stuff. Uh, some, you know, you know some of these guys from the Internet that have, have done this. And guys have shipped them over, too. Uh, there's one team that's got a kingfish over there. I think it's Jeremy Fowler. Jeremy's an old chef, been cooking barbecue for a long time and coming back and forth. Uh, but Weber's are probably the most dominant thing that you see over there. Ray Lampy joining us here on the show. When do you leave, Ray? Uh, tomorrow at 3 o'clock. i got to fly to Miami, drink till the plane's ready to go, and I'll sleep all the way to London. There you go. That's the only way to hey, fly in the plane, <laughs> baby. i got to drink until the plane takes off. <laughs> what was that? Hey, we got to get our website, Greg. I don't know if you have yep. it. It's grillstock.co.uk. That's right. So if anybody wants to check it out, grillstock.co.uk. And if you happen to be over in Bristol over the weekend, you can stop by and say hello to our very own Dr. Barbecue uh, over in England, where he's going to be a judge and he's going to be probably doing some demos as well. Ray, I always appreciate the time and thanks for filling in for John tonight. And good luck over there. I'll be anxious to hear how it goes. Yeah, thanks, Greg. And, and hey, everybody should think about going next year because this thing's not going to end. It's a good time, and the people are into it, and, and I'd love to see some Americans go over there. Yeah, let's look for it. All right, thanks a lot, Ray. Thanks, Greg. There he is, Ray. Dude, I appreciate Ray. Believe me, I appreciate Ray to no end uh, because he, <laughs> I was going back and forth. It's tough when you don't have a lot of, oh, let's call it international contacts. Uh, again, the myopic uh, view of an American, everybody lives here, everybody's on our time frame, and at worst, you're three hours behind California. Of course, everybody should be on Eastern Standard Time where we are here, but nevertheless. So I'm corresponding back and forth with John Finch, who's the director of this thing, and it's like one email a day because when I'm emailing, it's 
bedtime for him when he's mailing emailing i'm asleep as well so we, there's that very fine three hours four hours during the course of the day where we're both kind of in sync together and there's like a one email exchange here one email exchange there and then we realized it was like three o'clock in the morning for when the show was actually going to air and he didn't want to pull that so i immediately dumped over to ray since he was going to be going and he filled in and i think i talked to him maybe like two hours ago and luckily uh, he's ready, probably just preparing for that uh, long trip. Sounds like he's got to prepare for that long amount of drinking before he gets on the plane. Nice little pregame for the guy that knows all about uh, tailgating, and that's Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy. Uh, all right, guys, quick reminder about the good folks over at the Barbecue Guru. They are makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. You're asking yourself, well, what are those? Well, there's these devices that will attach to your cooker, and they're going to keep your particular unit at the at the temperature that you specify. So let's say you want to cook at 250 degrees. We just set it for 250 degrees. Magically, through uh, little fans and microprocessors, it keeps exactly the temperature that you have set it at. It's outstanding. And this is especially great if I might say, for people that love to barbecue like myself but work during the day. So wouldn't it be great? Riddle me this, Central Lights. What if, in your imagination, let's picture this together. I wish I had like that dream music going on right now, where you had the ability to put a pork butt on in the middle of the night or right before you left for work at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, and then you could set the pit temperature for 275 degrees. And then all through the day, here it is, this automatic pit temperature control device is keeping control of the pit, not overcooking the meat because you have a probe that goes in there. And once it reaches its finished temperature, it's going to go into ramp mode, which means it's not going to overcook it. It's just going to keep it right in that nice area. So you're not going to get disease and bacteria and anything else that could potentially cause harm either. The barbecue guru eliminates all of it. Look at the teams that are using it on the competition circuit and look at the people that are just in the consumer market that are using it. It's a fabulous, a fabulous tool. And don't let anybody tell you that that's not barbecue. I mean, what the hell is real barbecue anymore these days? Evolution is going crazy right now. If you're a professional, if you don't want to deal with having to 10 fires and 10 pits and all that other crap, you'd go to the barbecue guru. You can do it, the bbqguru.com, or you can call them. Some people like to talk to people still. I'm one of those people. 800-288-GURU. Ask for Bob Trudnack. I've had him on the show a number of times. They win huge championships with their products. They have four different temperature control devices to choose from. So if you have a budget that you're trying to stay within, Bob will help you meet that budget and give you the proper proper temperature control device for your cooker. And then you'll be off and running. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Also, a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. The bbqguru.com or 800-288-GURU also suppliers of wicked wicked good lump charcoal so it just doesn't get any better than that all right we're going to wrap it up here in just a few seconds i'm going to grab a drink and then we'll get ready for the second hour stick around we'll be right back big name interviews advice on cooking brisket and ribs and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue it's the barbecue central show
thanks again to Ray Lampy for joining me. He's going to be attending Grillstock in Bristol, England this coming weekend. So if you're going to be over there, be sure to stop in and say hello to the good doctor. Grillstock, that's G-R-I-L-L-S-T-O-C-K, grillstock.com. Sorry, grillstock.co.uk because, again, we're not here in America. Grillstock.co.uk is a website. I think they have a very good website. It would be very interesting to go over there and see what their interest in barbecue is. If you want some uh, Albuquerque seasoning and sauce, go ahead and just call in right now, 877-448-0433, 877-448-0433, and uh, we'll go ahead and get you that. And this is going to be from Kirk, by the way, over at Albuquerque Seasonings. AlbuquerqueSeasonings.com is the website, and it is a blend of Mexico red chili and 15 other spices for a truly unique Southwest flavor. The barbecue sauce is ketchup-based with a balance of uh, nice, tangy sweetness, giving you that Albuquerque taste experience. All right, let's go over to area code 516. Name and where you're calling from. Hey, Greg, it's Don from Long Island. Don from Long Island. How are you, buddy? Real good. How you been? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, Don. How are you? Uh, excellent. How's things in the uh, North Coast city? Uh, things are doing very well in the barbecue capital of the North Coast. Uh, so this is something new, Albuquerque Seasonings. Don, I imagine you're calling in to get your grubby little mitts on it. Are you excited about trying it? Absolutely. It's been uh, in the chat room. It's been going off very well tonight. All right, good. They've been well, talking it up very highly. All you need to do is send me your shipping info, Greg, at thebbqcentralshow.com, and I will forward that to Kirk. You'll have your hands on the rub and the sauce. And again, this rub is a New Mexico red chili and 15 other spices for a truly unique Southwest flavor. And the barbecue sauce is ketchup-based with a balance of sweet, tangy spiciness. Uh, so... You know, like they say, it's the Albuquerque taste experience. It couldn't be any more exciting. So give me that shipping info, and then I'll be interested to hear your thoughts. Very cool. Thanks. All right, Don. Take care. Don. I believe Don was partying with Clint from Smoke in the Eye the last time I was reading things online and on Facebook, from what I imagine. Uh, Thanks again to Ray Lampy for joining me last segment. Also, thanks to Rod Gray for joining me in the first segment. We'll wrap up here in a second. Uh, what was the other thing that I was going to mention? Oh, uh, we were talking, I was having an online discussion with a gentleman, email discussion about the ceramic cookers and the price of ceramic cookers. And I wanted to at least say this. If you're going to be looking into ceramic cookers because he saw one of those uh, items in Lowe's that we were talking about uh, with Derek Riches a couple weeks ago, and he thought that maybe this was going to be the point where ceramic cookers were going to start coming down in price because some other company had finally come across uh, what looked to be a, a fairly decent knockoff of a Big Green Agra Primo or Grill Dome. And I don't think that's going to be necessarily the case because uh, through Derek's review and through my own findings of looking at it, it's really not the same type of a unit. You, if you're going to buy a ceramic cooker, you have to know a it is kind of a niche market. But you have, you have the ability to buy two cookers in one. You have the low and slow cooker that the ceramic cooker is going to provide for you. Plus, it's well documented. You have a grill that is going to get super rocket hot, so you can do high-powered grilling as well. So it could be a little pricier, but if you're looking at value, if you're looking at return on investment, you can buy one unit 
which is going to cover you on both sides, both the grilling and the low and slow cooking. And depending on what kind of a unit you get, you're going to have a ton of other accessories you're going to be able to go with it. And we all know that's really what the most expensive part of barbecue really is. It doesn't have anything to do with the cooker when it's all said and done. It's all about the accessories and the number of those big three manufacturers, which all are kind of made right down there in the same geographical area in Georgia, too. They all have brilliant accessories that go along with it to make your uh, cooking experience better. So I don't think the price of ceramic cookers is coming down anytime soon. I think with the reinvention of the big steel keg that has now been uh, brought bought by, I think it was Broil King out there in Canada, I don't think that's really going to stave off uh, or, or attempt to potentially bring down the price point on ceramic cookers. But buy those knowing you're getting a quality product and that you can do more than just one thing with it. And that's where the price is coming from, aside from the fact that it's niche and the material that it's made out of. Uh, the other thing to consider is those things are fuel misers. Uh, you can get l- huge run times off of what is just a handful. Uh, a few pounds of charcoal can last you hours and hours on end, which a number of other cookers actually can't do. So number of things to keep in mind in that regard as well. So don't be shying away from the price of the ceramic cooker uh, because you think that they're trying to own a market that nobody else has. The fact of the matter is there are two different cookers in one. It's a grill that can do high heat very well. It's a slow roaster, slow cooker, barbecuer, that can hold low temperature very well and for tremendous amounts of time. Grill dome, big green egg, Primo are the top three makers out there. No more uh, Bubba Keg anymore, oh well. All right, once again, thanks to Rod Gray for joining me in the second segment, talking about his win in Lenexa, Kansas. Look for them this coming weekend doing a double header. So good luck to Rod, his website, pelletenvy.com. Also, thanks to Ray Lampy for filling in for John Finch. He's going to be at the Grillstock, grillstock.co.uk. Englanders taking interest in the American style barbecue. He's going to be a judge. He's going to be doing some demos as well. Ray's website, drbbq, that's doctor, drbbq.com. Always check out and see what he's up to. And don't forget, coming up here in just a few minutes, we're going to have Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue talking about the wind down in D.C. Plus, Kelly Dodd interviews from that event as well. All that and more, your phone calls and emails. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? (laughs) You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish, what? We ate 54 wieners. Delicious, Lavernia, shake face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> you could use it to fight off creeping marauders looking to take your steaks off your grills. I just like being anywhere with Junior, Senior, and Diva. Don't forget at the movie. <laughs> wow, yeah, really. Keep it hot, keep it clean, keep it lubricated. We have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, 
just like that, we're into the second hour, baby. 877-448-0433 is the number to call if you want to get in. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. That's the email address. Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue coming up here in just a few short minutes talking about the big win down in D.C. on a, dare I say, awkwardly staged event to make up for the fact that there was no MBN. So we're, we're going to be talking to Clint, or to Clint. Did it again. Outrageous. Oh, oh good, I fixed it. Uh, so we're going to be talking to Heath about the big win, not Clint. Clint beat, uh, for those of you that don't know, like Clint beat Myron Mixon in some type of a cooking competition. It's funny because as soon as we listened to Kelly Dodd, uh, was able to get Myron Mixon for a few words after uh, the turn-ins were done before awards. And they have a whole uh, unique introspective on Myron Mixon and what's actually going on and the success that he has had through television, which is great. Uh, believe me, I would love to uh, sniff his success or just uh, even a bit of his success uh, here on the show. But I think there's something to be said. And, uh, of course, I'm not afraid to say it. All right, quick review before we get to Heath Hall about uh, KCBS. And uh, oh, hold on one second here, folks. Uh, give me one second here. So we're going to be looking at the review of where the KCBS actually is in the top 10. And a team that has actually won Team of the Year, I believe that was 2008, was uh, Robert McGee, Munchin Hogs at the Hilton. Uh, QOW is last year's Team of the Year winner. They're number two. Swine Assassins, who I was uh, representing the other night with a hat, currently in third place. I believe in the beginning of the year. There were a few pitmasters who I had talked to either on the show or outside of the interview arena who thought that Swine Assassins were kind of a flash in the pan, that they weren't really going to be there when it was all said and done. But we're now we're almost seven months into the year, and they're sitting top three, so they're doing something right for sure. Uh, so congratulations to those guys. Uh, Chick Swine and Bovine, number four. Butcher Barbecue is number five. Four Legs Up Barbecue, that's Kelly Wirtz, is number six. Number seven is Buffalo's Barbecue. You got Harry Sue with Slap Yo Daddy, number eight. And you have Mike Davis, Lot of Bull Barbecue, number nine. And rounding out top ten, all sauced up just outside of the top ten, Rhythm and Q. And then, of course, Pellet Envy sitting in the 12th spot. So a quick review of where the standings are in regards to the Kansas City Barbecue Society. Uh, Mo in. Mo Kason listening tonight. Big Mo asking me to take it easy on Heath Hall. Don't worry. Nothing, if nothing. I am uh, but respectful to those that win big competitions and are masters of commerce, which is something that Heath Hall is for sure. All right, let's go ahead and uh, figure out where I'm actually going to find him at. Let's see. H, H, H. Is he... Oh, for the love of Pete. Is he gone all of a sudden? This is probably him. Oh, wait, here he is. 
Well, now what to do? What to do? Make the guest. Oh, okay. Just made it easier. Just had a phone call coming in at the same time. I was going to say what to do, what to do, but never mind what to do. We'll go ahead and race over to the phone line. You might happen to know him as uh, one half of the pitmasters of Pork Barrel Barbecue Competition Cooking Team. They have award-winning barbecue sauces, award-winning rubs. Uh, they were also the first barbecue indust- uh, first barbecue company, first barbecue people to decide that what barbecue was missing was a fragrance that the industry could call their own, uh, which has been nothing short of successful. It is. Keith Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue joining us here on the show. Keith, how are you, buddy? Good, man. How's it going? Absolutely fantastic, Keith. Appreciate you taking out the time, as always, here for the show. Huge win over the weekend down in Washington, D.C., and this was a you know notoriously a, a dual sanctioned event where you had Memphis Barbecue Network one day you turn around and then do Kansas City Barbecue Society the next day but that wasn't the case somebody that was down there I had my uh, little centralites down there trying to figure out exactly what happened I heard that there was some type of inability to get sanctioning for MBN uh, what was specifically the issue if you know Well what they told us was that um there was Something to do with a DOS system that they had problems with last year in the Memphis um, NBA competition. But uh, supposedly they've got that fixed for next year, and they plan to bring it back. Like DOS? Like D-O-S? Yes, like something you used 25 years ago on your computer. <laughs> and this is something that, uh, that, the, that the event didn't have up and running and you couldn't do it? Well, apparently, so the DC contest was not actually sanctioned by MBN. It was sanctioned by Memphis in May. Oh. So it was the only non uh, MB, or it was the only Memphis in May contest outside of Memphis in May that had that sanctioning. And apparently, they have some scoring system that is based on DOS. Wow. And because they only have the uh, one other contest, they weren't interested in spending however much money. This is the story we were told. Uh, so I can only assume it's it's right, but uh, we were told at both the coach, uh, the uh, the uh, pitmasters um, team meeting and the uh, award ceremony that they were bringing some form of a Memphis contest back next year, and having the KCBS on Saturday and Memphis on Sunday. All right, so you in turn had a, a what ended up being a two day Kansas City Barbecue Society contest. You had two turn ins on Saturday. You had two turn ins. On Sunday, as somebody who does compete in a number of Kansas City Barbecue Society sanctioned events, Heath, how does that play in? Is it easier to take your time on two? Does it make it more difficult because now you're used to turning in four, uh, you know, every so often during the course of a day, and now you're stretching it out over the course of two days? How did you feel about it? It was a little bit of both. You know, not only did we have two turn ins on Saturday, two turn ins on Sunday, but the times were also completely different. Uh, we turned in on Saturday at 6 o'clock and 6.30, which was chicken and brisket, and then on Sunday, 2 and 2.30, which was ribs and pork. Uh, in some ways, it was easier. Uh, you know, we were only cooking two categories, but in other ways, it was um, more difficult because you were off of the normal rhythm that you were used to. All right, and, and again, I'm sorry, what were the turn-ins uh, for those specific days? Yeah, Saturday was 6 o'clock chicken, 6.30 brisket. <laughs> And Sunday was two o'clock ribs, two thirty pork. Wow, six o'clock chicken. Yes, yeah, six <laughs> o'clock at night. So it you just was, hung uh, out all day and then threw your chicken on around four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, about about three o'clock, we start doing our chicken prep on on Saturday, um, and uh, it, I don't know. It was it was kind of nice because we didn't have to start cooking at the crack of uh, you know the uh, of dawn. Um, so we had a, a little bit better night's sleep on Friday night than normally. But uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's an interesting event. There's 150 plus thousand people. I think they said came down there. So there's lots of people coming and going. Uh, there was a lot of media down there. Uh, there were a lot of ancillary things going on. Uh, the KCBS tour was there um, and uh, did a, a, a cook off against Myron Mixon on that. Um, so it allowed for some of those things to happen. But uh, you know, I, I think I'm uh, I'm ready to go back to twelve, twelve thirty, one, and one thirty on a Saturday. All right. So as you're gearing up for the event, you mentioned that you have all of these ancillary things going on, and you have. I imagine the crowd is just able to walk right by you. So you're dealing. With the general public as well, you're not kind of cordoned off like you are in a number of other competitions that are within festivals. Is it difficult to stay on task in that type of an atmosphere? You know, it can be. Uh, this is right down on Pennsylvania Avenue, so there's not, you know, it's not like you're at a, a park or at some kind of a fairgrounds or something where there's a large amount of area. Uh, you're pretty much bordered on each side by buildings, so it's about as, as wide as Pennsylvania Avenue is. Um, you know, you have a lot of people down there for the other things that maybe didn't even know there's a barbecue competition coming uh, on at the same time. But, of course, when they see you, they're prepared to ask you for samples of everything that you're uh, cooking, even if it's a raw rack of ribs that you've got hanging out waiting to go on the, the smoker. Uh, so, you know, and it also for us, uh, lots of friends and family since it was a local contest. So that, that can uh, sometimes throw you off a little bit. But, uh, you know, we try to stay disciplined and when we uh are in the heat of things we tell people you know we can't talk right now we've uh got a, a job to do and once that job's done we're more than happy to, to chat and hang out all right so when people come up to you and start trying to steal raw ribs as you said <laughs> i mean are, and you tell them to to beat it are they pretty receptive of that or are they like geez you know we're, we're trying to come over and steal some of your stuff give it to us yeah, I think most people are very respectful for that. Some people don't understand the difference between the teams that are competing and the the vendors that are out there. And so some people are confused when you tell them you don't have anything to give them. And they're like, well, I'm prepared to pay. And, like, you know, block down. You can, you know, get uh, all the barbecue you want from the 15 or so vendors that are here. But, uh, no, most of the people were very respectful. You know, a lot of people have questions about smokers uh, that you're using and what kind of uh, – wood you're using and things like that and you know we love talking to folks like that and uh you know trying to to help them out uh, as maybe they're looking to buy a, a smoker or looking to get into competition barbecue but as uh, as you know and as uh, all the guys and gals out there that are competing know there's that time window when uh, you've got to be completely focused on what you're doing or you're not going to get it done and uh most people are very respectful when you tell them uh, you know happy to talk with you in an hour if you just come back then all right, so bring us through the process when uh, you guys, you and Brent, are getting ready to go ahead and start prepping your chicken. Uh, what kind of a process do you? I mean, you don't have to break it down into you know specific things that you do, but how do you guys like to go about chicken? Uh, you know, is it all about uniform size and white skin, and, and what are you doing to achieve the best possible prep uh, during each competition? You know, this was a very interesting chicken contest. It was sponsored by Purdue Chicken, and on Friday night when you checked in. Uh, about an hour later, the judges, uh, the meat inspectors, and uh, the uh, KCBS reps were coming around giving you Purdue chicken. And I've, I think everyone's thinking, you know, we're going to get a couple of packs of thighs or maybe some mixed pieces or something like that. No, they bring us four whole chickens that uh, 
were uh, not necessarily the ones that, that any competitor would have chosen if they even had to cook with whole chickens. They were fairly small. But uh, they ended up being really good chickens. I, had, I butchered them down on Friday night. Uh, I was able to pull seven thighs out of the chicken. One of my thighs had a broken bone in it, so I, I knew I wasn't going to cook with that. Um, and I just, uh, in case something happened with the thighs, I went ahead and prepped out the legs and uh, some wingettes and some breasts. And we smoked uh, a lot more meat uh, chicken-wise than we normally do as far as different ones. Usually we're, we're just uh, looking at thighs. But uh, we were lucky and uh, were able to, to pull out uh, six really nice thighs on Saturday uh, afternoon, turn them in, and uh, we ended up taking uh, first place in the chicken category. So uh, maybe I'll uh, be using more Purdue whole chickens and butchering them in the future. Yeah, and I guess one of the cool things about winning that particular chicken category is you got to share the stage with one of the most popular men in the world, and that was uh, Frank Purdue Jr., right? Uh, yeah, um, Mr. Purdue was there on Saturday uh, to hand over the uh, Purdue National Chicken Championship trophy uh, and also the second and third place trophies, uh, which went to, to two great teams. Uh, Jack's Old South um, took third and jacked up barbecue out of New Jersey, who those guys are just tearing it up. And uh, I think they had to get a, a U-Haul to take home all the trophies that they uh, got this weekend, and uh, they were the reserve um, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was kind of cool to get that opportunity. He seemed to be really interested in barbecue and, uh, I think that's really good for the sport. All right. So then you have a brisket turn in as well. So when do you start cooking the brisket? Brisket was very much like the, uh, Purdue chicken. It was sponsored by ranchers reserve, uh, the brisket that Safeway, uh, has, right. um, who was the overall sponsor. And, Ranchers Reserve briskets were given out at the same time the chicken. We got two of them. One of them I got was really nice. Uh, you know, we, we normally cook with really great briskets from our meat sponsor Wagshaw's, uh, uh, one of the best butcher shops in the country, and right here they're right here in D.C. And we get uh, you know wagyu or we get dry aged, depending on what what we're, we're liking at that particular time. But these uh, were you know just things right off probably the shelf of Safeway and. One of them was really great, and the other one was not so great. One of them was uh, about, I don't know, six or seven inches wide, um, not what we're looking for uh, for a contest. But we, we cooked both of them, and fortunately the one that was really great, one that I would have you know, picked off the store shelf if I was looking for one, uh, was a good brisket. It, we started that uh, about, oh, I guess, 7.30 in the morning, 7, 7.30 in the morning on Saturday, and uh, – we're able to, to take it off um, about an hour and a half or so before the uh, the turn in, and uh, kept it in our, our Cambro for about an hour, and uh, pulled it out and got some really great burn ends off of it and some really great uh, slices, and uh, we were able to take fifth place in uh, brisket. All right, so obviously I'm getting nailed here on the uh, instant chat. I made a mistake. I meant Jim Purdue, not uh, Frank Purdue, because obviously Frank is dead. So my apologies. Right. Th- thanks for pointing that out, everybody. Thanks. Glad to know you're hanging on my every freaking word. Jeez, Luis. Yeah, thank you. Um, Anyway, so it's Jim Perdue, as we all know. Uh, Heath didn't want to embarrass me like the people in Instant Chat did, but I'm a man enough to admit when I'm wrong. Uh, Now, how are you able to get into the event? What's the registration process? Because people are like, I want to get into the event where people are handing out the meat. What is it like? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a really unique event. Uh, it is on America's Main Street. You know, you're bookended by the White House on one side and the Capitol on the other side. 
Uh, it is an event that is, you know, probably one of the more widely attended barbecue contests around the country. I'd assume, you know, like around 150, 175,000 people in the two days come down there. Um, you know, it's a last year we had over 50 teams. This year we had 41 teams at the event. Uh, I think we lost a number of teams. You know, I know uh, I talked to, to Melissa Cookston down at Memphis in May, and she indicated that she wasn't going to be coming this year because they had taken the Memphis portion away. So I think there were a number of teams that didn't come because of that. But, uh, you know, I think uh, it's a great contest. It's a good prize money. It's about $40,000 prize purse. I think the KCBS contest alone was about $27,000 prize purse. And uh, it's, uh, you know, a lot of good teams nationally. We had QL there. We had uh, Serial Grillers from Yorktown who are, uh, you know, a, a top 25 team this year. Of course, Myron with Jacksonville South. We had Tuffy with Cool Smoke. Uh, so a lot of really good national level teams and a lot of really good local teams like the DC firefighters. Um, those guys are great. Um, but yeah, just, uh, you know, go through the regular process of any competition. Uh, it's a little more expensive. I think it's around $500 for entry fee, but, uh, it does have a, a pretty good prize purse. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're talking with Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue. Website, by the way, is porkbarrelbbq.com. You can buy their sauces. You buy the rub. Uh, you can also buy Q Cologne there as well. Uh, you'd mentioned something, uh, Heath, about brisket, and you had said when you're doing decisions on when you're at a regular contest, you want to do you know, wet age, you want to do dry aged. And uh, we've talked wet age on the show with a few different cooks before. Haven't really gotten to the dry aged brisket at all uh, that I can remember. Yeah. The biggest diversion from brisket recently has been Wagyu brisket versus, you know, the CAB or just the choice briskets. So tell me a little bit about dry age. Where are you getting that? Are you doing it yourself? And what do you think that is bringing to the table flavor profile wise that some of the other briskets maybe aren't? Well, yeah, if you go to any great steak restaurant in this country you know you're going to walk in and probably see a room where they're just a bunch of of steaks uh you know uh, not cut into individual steaks yet but a bunch of future steaks uh hanging there dry aging and uh you know we we've got like i say this really great sponsor wagshaw's uh market here in, in washington dc and uh the uh, fuchs family that runs that is incredibly passionate about meat they're the only uh place in the united states that gets imported uh Iberico pork, for example, which is a, a really amazing product. And I was talking to, to Bill Fuchs, the uh, the owner of it, one day, and he's like, you know, you really should try some of these uh, dry A bris- briskets that we can get out of New York. Um, so there's a, uh, a place out of New York that does them. Uh, we don't dry age them. We pick them up usually on a, a Wednesday or Thursday before the contest, um, depending on how far away it is and when we're leaving. And, uh, you know, they uh, they usually come somewhere around 15, 14 to 16 pounds, so right around 15 pounds. And uh, I tell you, they just have a really nice, deep flavor, and they're uh, really easy to work with. Uh, they usually have really good fat in them. Um, and the thing I've, I've noticed is they, they take on the flavors that you want to introduce into them really well. Uh, you know, we've done wet age before, um, and we like that too. Uh, I'll tell you the weirdest thing that uh, we ever have done, and uh, I'd never seen one of these, and I've never seen one since, uh, but it was probably the best tasting brisket I've ever cooked, but the worst presenting brisket I ever cooked is Bill uh, at Wagshaw's gave me a bone-in brisket and uh, asked me to mess around with it. And this thing had so much flavor in it. It was so moist, but because of how it was set on the bone, it was just really difficult to cut off and present well. It sounds absolutely 
mind-boggling to have a bone-in brisket. But It uh, looked like a dinosaur leg. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, yeah, it probably just came right off the cow. All right. Uh, so when you're dealing with a dry-aged brisket, compare that to cost of wet age. Compare that to cost of buying something off the rack. How much more is it? You know, it's it's probably comparable to, you know, if you're out there buying, you know, the, the really good stuff that Snake River has or Creekstone has. Uh, you know, it's it's going to depend on the weight. Um, it probably is going to depend on where you're located and how much shipping costs. Um, you know, we're we're fortunate and we get our, our meat provided to us uh, without any cost. So I, I don't have a lot of experience in, in actually what they, they run. But, you know, I'm guessing that you're looking at somewhere between 100 and $150, depending on how big the, the piece of meat is. All right. Uh, Heath Hall joining us here on the show. When you're working with that dry-aged beef, Heath, are you doing injecting and all the similar processes that you would do it with, uh, you know, with a wet age or a choice brisket regardless? Yeah, we haven't changed. You no, know, we have a formula that we keep to, um, and we've used that in uh, with the wet age, with the dry age, with the, you know, something we bought at a, a restaurant depot or a, a Sam's Club or a Costco or, in this the case of this weekend, something that, that you could have bought at a Safeway. Um you know, you had Rod Gray on earlier, uh, who is uh, one of our barbecue mentor. Uh, he's really, you know, helped us out a lot, lot through through the year. And uh, you know, one of the things that he taught us really early on was that, look, guys, you know, you got to cook what's what's comfortable to you and what you um, you know cook on a day in and day out basis. Don't try to change things up because you're cooking in North Carolina this weekend and Missouri next weekend and you know, uh, California the next weekend. And, uh, you know, it obviously has worked for Rod and, uh, you know, we've taken that to heart and we pretty much prep our meats, uh, the same way, no matter, uh, where we're cooking and what we're using. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, move into when the brisket's done, you're slicing it up. How are you feeling about it as it's coming off? You think you have a, a decent brisket to turn in? I thought our brisket was better than our chicken on uh saturday so i was pretty happy um we'd been kind of up and down in brisket this year uh you know in the five range to in the the teens range and i really felt like we had put together a pretty solid uh brisket this year and uh when we got they had the awards for the chicken um the purdue chicken portion on saturday night and when we found out that we won that I was feeling pretty good because I knew that we had put together a pretty good brisket, and if our chicken was first, um, then I thought we, you know, as long as we could could uh, focus on Sunday and put together two good categories, we had a good chance of being competitive. All right, so we move into Sunday, and you have, uh, as you said, you started with the 2 p.m. Uh, turn-in and ribs. Uh, were you cooking spares or are you cooking uh, baby backs? Uh, we always do spares. St. Louis cut, uh, you know, we, we get them whole uh, and we butcher them down. Uh, usually uh, the night before we cook them, so they're, they're really fresh. Again, we get those from our, our uh, sponsor, Wagshaws, who um, they have a, a, co- a contact that's local that runs a, a, a hog farm. And so sometimes the, the meats that we're cooking with were butchered 48, uh, 72 hours before we're uh, using them. And uh, so they're very fresh, and uh, we... Uh, you know, I think we've been really struggling in ribs this year. And the thing about this contest that really helped us out with only having two categories is it let me cook twice the number of ribs that I normally cook. And so I was able to experiment a little bit with a couple different techniques that I've been playing with 
And uh, fortunately, uh, one of those two techniques really uh, clicked on on Sunday. And, uh, you know, we may not have used that technique if we were only cooking the normal number of slabs that we cook. And uh, um, so that that would be one thing I'd say about having the two contests on Sunday um, versus four uh, that really did help us. And uh, I, I knew they were the best ribs we'd cooked this year, but I also didn't know what that meant as far as, you know, against the other teams. But uh, we were fortunate to take fifth place in ribs. And uh, um, like I say, I, I think we've maybe found out some of our, our answers to our problems with ribs. All right. So when you're cutting through the ribs and trying to decide which ones are going to make it into the box, how many different slabs did you actually pull from to make the box up? Uh, we ended up taking from two slabs. We took four four from one and four from a second uh, slab. We um, cut uh, about eight slabs, and uh, we um, had a couple slabs that I wasn't real happy with that really didn't, uh, um, you know, they didn't have the, the look we were looking for. Of course, we had one of those slabs that after you cook it, you know, the bones look like uh, they've been twisted uh, and, and turned in all different directions, and it's hard to get a good cut on them. But uh, we had about uh, about six slabs that really looked good, and uh, you know we tasted uh, the uh, the ribs from them, and really liked uh, two of their tastes and four of the bones from each of those two slabs. So that's we went with uh, eight eight uh, ribs on Sunday. All right. So when you are in the middle of the cooking process, uh, Heath, are you uh, one of the teams that is? foiling during your cooking process and adding little tricks and flavor enhancers into the steaming process yeah we do some foiling um in different with different categories um you know i I think a lot of the teams do it uh we've experimented both ways um and we've had success both ways but uh this year you know i think we've really found a, a couple things that we really like to do and uh have been faring fairly well uh and so, yeah, right now we are doing some foiling uh, with our ribs. All right, so here's the uh, question of the day. The sauces and the rubs are commercially one of the you know biggest successes that are out there. And uh, I would assume that it's a foregone conclusion that uh, you know the all-american rub is going on the ribs and you're using the sauce in competitions, or is that not the case? We use a combination. We use ours. Uh, on our ribs, we use two different rubs. As you know, we only have one rub out there. Yep. Um, our rub is a real hearty rub. I think it's a, an excellent rub on chicken. Um, I think it's a great rub as a, as a base um, for competition. Um, and at home, it's, I use it all the time. But the one thing, is, as you'll know, I know you're a fan of the rub, it doesn't have any sugar in it. Yep. And in a competition world, um, you know, sweet seems to win the day over, over heat. And, uh, you know, I'm a guy, if I was cooking on the competition circuit, what I cook at home, we'd probably finish uh, dead last because <laughs> I really like spicy foods. Right. Um, so we use a couple of, uh, a couple of other rubs in our products that have some sugar base in them that, you know, are, are, are excellent, uh, products, um, that I think, you know, we've, we've experimented with a, a number of them and, uh, think that they, uh, really, complement our rub very nicely and uh, build kind of a flavor profile that uh, the judges seem to be really liking. Heath Hall joining us here on the show. Again, the website, porkbarrelbbq.com. And uh, again, the sauces, the rubs, uh, and all the associated products you can find right there. Uh, So now we're looking at uh, pork shoulder and... 
you know, the process for pork shoulder seems to have evolved over, you know, a number of years. I remember the first time I had Fast Eddie on uh, talking to him when I was just doing the show was a podcast. Uh, he admitted to me that, you know, up until that point, and that was probably four years ago, that he never used to inject pork butts at all. It was just a rub. You put it on and you cook it. Uh, and then all of a sudden somebody started doing it. More people started doing it and it evolves over to now. That's like the norm. Uh, you guys injecting pork butts as well? We've done both, um, you know, uh, four or three years ago in the Memphis and May category in D.C., we didn't inject a pork butt and we took fourth place. Um, that was a really simple recipe that we used with, with no marinade, no injection, no uh, anything. It was essentially just uh, a little bit of olive oil and our rub and a lot of uh, love on the, the smoker with some uh, oak and hickory. Um We've since, you know, kind of been growing and, and uh, experimenting with things, and uh, we do uh, we do sometimes do an injection. Uh, we don't inject the entire um, sh- uh, shoulder or butt or picnic, depending on what we're cooking, and if it's a KCBS or Memphis contest. Um, but we've, re- I think, you know, I thought that you know our pork was the strongest category that we had had this year, and ended up being the 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 weakest showing this weekend. We took seventh place in pork, and. Uh, we after coming off uh, last week in a contest in Sedalia, Missouri, we took second and uh, had taken uh, seventh place uh, the contest before and second place the contest before that. But uh, so I think yeah, we, we um, we've been doing some injecting. Uh, it's a real simple injection, nothing real fancy. And uh, uh, I think that uh, one of the things that we've uh, been using this year that's really been working a lot for us is we came out with our new mustard barbecue sauce. And uh, we've been experimenting with that all winter on on some pork, and we started using that on the the butts, uh, and uh, you know as kind of a base before we put our rubs on there, mm. and that's uh, really gives it a nice flavor, a really nice color, and uh, you know so. There's a tip, everybody out there, go ahead and buy some of our mustard uh, barbecue sauce. Yeah, there's a tip, go buy our stuff. Absolutely one of the best tips I've ever heard. I got to try that. Uh, where did you finish overall in brisket, Heath? Uh, we finished fifth. We finished first in chicken. Uh, we finished fifth in ribs, seventh in pork, yep. and fifth in brisket. All right, so when they call pork uh, to end it all, is that how they want as far as how they called out uh, competition? Uh, they call, no, they call brisket last. Okay, so and, brisket last. But, I mean, you, you get three calls, and, and uh, there are, two of them are top five. Uh, one, you win. You have to know at that point, unless there's other teams that are getting just as many calls up to the stage as you are, that you're in really good uh, company to win this whole thing. There were about six teams that really, I thought, had a, a good chance as we were sitting there. And then um, it really came down towards the end, I thought, thought to, to four teams um we had been getting a lot of calls so i knew we were in pretty good shape cereal grillers had gotten a ton of calls so i knew they were in pretty good shape jacked up out of uh, new jersey uh like i said earlier these guys won um i think they probably took more hardware home than we did uh they won the ranchers reserve and got this beautiful cup trophy uh those guys were really uh you know up there q owl you know tore it up in the, the the pork categories and had a good showing in brisket um myron you know had a, a couple good places and tuffy uh won he won brisket and had a couple good places um uh, but towards the end i thought after everything had gone and i was doing it in my head i thought okay this is between jacked up cereal grillers and us 
And, you know, it's really going to come down to in those categories, like where we took first and they took fourth, you know, what was the separation in points? You know, were we five points apart or were we a half a point apart? And uh, the thing that, that we finally, that really finally nailed it where I, I thought we'd won it was when they announced us as the winner of the Kings for points um, total. And so I felt, okay, I, I, pretty sure that that uh, the, those other guys were using it i knew ql you know the, i think they're in the lead in the, the kings for points chase so i knew they would be using it um so I, I felt like at that point we were in pretty good shape all right uh heath hall joining us here on the show so once you get announced as overall grand champion you know initial feelings obviously we're going to hear a piece that you did with kelly dot after uh, the announcement had been made a little bit later but uh, you know just the your initial emotion reaction i mean it's a very big event and again it was staged over two days versus the one day uh, yeah. what were you feeling a lot of different things uh first and foremost uh, my mom and dad had come in from missouri and my dad you know, is my real inspiration behind everything that, that i've gotten to this point in barbecue if it wasn't for him you know I, i'm pretty sure i probably wouldn't be where i i am he's the guy that taught me everything i know and uh continues to be my you know my biggest supporter and biggest fan out there um I was also ecstatic that we were able to do it in D.C., which is our hometown, which is you know where where we're based out of. And it was also uh, the first contest that we ever cooked as a pork barrel barbecue competition team two years ago. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then you know, I mean, the other things that really ran through my head was just thinking about everybody that that has helped us in these two years that got us to this point. You know, I already mentioned Rod uh, Gray, who has been a huge advocate um for us and everything we've been doing and a, a huge mentor and, and most importantly a great friend and uh one of the luckiest moments of our life was last year at memphis in may we got to uh cook next to in my opinion one of the two real legends of barbecue uh from from you know a, a few years ago pat burke who mm-hmm. was right there with mike mills uh in the apple city days and pat's now with tower rock and uh, Pat really, you know, kind of took us on uh, and uh, helped us and, and taught us a lot of things that, that he knows. So, you know, we've been really fortunate to have a couple of really great mentors and great fan- friends. And, you know, uh, Tuffy, uh, who's not far from us down in Richmond, has been nothing but kind to us. Um, and, uh, you know, through the restaurant process, his guys have helped us out with some of those questions that we have, um, you know, just a lot of great, great people. Uh, Kit Rudd of Deguello Barbecue, who uh, you know has kind of come in at the same time uh, as we were, and we've become really good friends. He was there, and uh, that was great to have him there and supporting us. So just you know, thinking about all those people along the way that we've traveled this path with, and then in the end, you know, it was kind of hard not to think about. You know, we finally gotten our first grand championship, and uh, especially this one being a really cool opportunity because. It gives us a ticket to the uh, Invitational at the American Royal, and it's uh, the only state championship in the District of Columbia, and there were twenty-five, more than 25 teams at it, so it was uh, a ticket to the Jack Daniels as well, which is kind of the pinnacle, I think, of any barbecue team. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, there's a number of things that happen when you actually win it. You get the American Royal invite, obviously, and then uh, the automatic into the Jack Daniels. So, obviously, those are you know well down the road. You're looking at October for both of those. But just some initial thoughts about being able to get out there and take part in that Invitational, which, 
you know, we could have a discussion probably for the next five and ten years, <laughs> especially with everybody that's here on the chat room and uh, listening on the radio side as far as which one would you rather be in, which one would you rather win, the Invitational, which, at least in my estimation, does give you a better account of the best of the best that is cooking out there today. And, then, of course, you do have the Jack Daniels, which has the elaborate picking process. And I can make arguments all day long that the best aren't actually chosen to cook down there. Uh, right. But perhaps that's why it even makes it even more prestigious to win. But let's go ahead and uh, do a, a peripheral uh, <laughs> thumbnail on both of these. You're going to be at both of them. Given if I gave you the magic uh, genie uh, lamp and said, Heath, rub it, and you have to say which one would you rather win, which one are you going to pick? Wow, that's a tough question. You know, I, I used to live in Kansas City, and I've been uh, you know following the American Royal for a long time. Uh, so if I had to pick one, I would probably pick the American Royal, just because you know I, I lived in Kansas City and I, I've I've got a longer history. But um, on on the flip side of the coin, as you mentioned, you know it's not just about winning to get into the Jack. It's about uh, you know either winning in a location where we did where there's no other state championship so you're an automatic draw or winning one of the big contests um or getting lucky and getting your name picked out of the hat uh, so there's a lot of good teams that that uh you know win one two three four contests and and just don't have the the luck that year and get their name thrown out so it's one of those things too where when you get a chance to go there you know it, it may be your only chance to go there mm-hmm. You know, you might be able to go to the the Royal Invitational two or three more times, uh, you know, in the foreseeable future, and 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 then those two or three years not get a, a Jack draw. So, uh, in that that retrospect, you know, I mean, the Jack is probably more difficult to to actually get to, and so it's one of those things like get when you get to the World Series, you better win it because you might not be back uh, in uh, ten or fifteen years. So, they're both really awesome opportunities. They're both, you know. The the person who finishes last at both of those contests won a contest that year, so it, it, they're by far probably the two most difficult contests out there. And uh, you know, it'll be so much fun to see where we stack up against the great teams. All right, so where is Port Barrel Barbecue going to be competing next? Uh, well, we're taking uh, this weekend. We're not competing. We're actually going to be in New York on Sunday and uh, cooking on Fox and Friends, uh, kind of a pre Fourth of July deal for them. So uh, tune in to, to Fox News on Sunday morning. Uh, I think it's 6, to 9, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. Then uh, we'll be in Wellsville, Missouri uh, the following weekend. Uh, then we got a couple weekends off to, to hopefully uh, get most of the things together at the restaurant uh, for an early August opening, we're, we're hoping. Uh, and then we'll be at uh, a new contest in Bluemont, Virginia, about an hour outside of D.C. the last weekend in July. Um, and then we only have a, we have a couple contests in August, and then we start kind of a, a crazy two months in uh, September and October, where I think we have I think we have seven or eight cooks in in uh, eight or nine weeks, uh, and including the the Royal and the Jack. And uh, the one I'm really also looking forward to is uh, getting a chance to come down to Murfreesboro, Illinois, and uh, cook uh, Praise the Lord Mike Mills uh, contest, which is going to be a ton of fun. Uh, Heath, uh, I would imagine that uh, Brent is cooking with you on the Fox and Friends. Yeah, uh, Brad will be there. Um, we've got a couple other guys. I, I think uh, our good buddy Clint Cantwell, who's uh, right there in Long Island, is going to come out and join us. Um, and uh, I already mentioned uh, Kit Rudd from Deguelo Barbecue here in the D.C. area. Uh, he is going to be joining us as well. So uh, the four of us will be uh, 
uh, cooking there. This will be our third time to do it. It's a lot of fun to be able to to pull a smoker right into Times Square and uh, just start start cooking. Uh, it, you get you get a lot of interesting people that come up and and start talking with you from all over the the, the world, and uh, it's it's a ton of fun. Certainly a motley crew, if I've ever heard of it. What do you <laughs> now when the cameras are on, Heath? What do you think the percentage of chance of my name and my radio show being dropped on national television is? Well, that would depend on your willingness to wear Q for the next month. Who said I'm not? Yeah! <laughs> Love that stuff. Uh, Heath, you want to take... Oh, I was going to say you want to take a phone call, but... Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, that person just got scared, I guess, and realized they were dealing with two masters of the tongue, <laughs> so they decided to hang up. All right, so let's transition out of uh, the competition thing, and uh, good luck with Fox and Friends, by the way. Uh, will you have the video uh, posted on your website after that takes place for people who want to see it? Yeah, we should uh, should probably have that up by Monday. It depends on how quickly Fox uh, puts it up on uh, on their site. But uh, we um, we've got our previous uh, appearances on there. But uh, we'll uh, get it up as quickly as we can. All right. So we transition, you know, out of the competition side and what you have going on uh, over into the product side. Uh, the sauces are obviously still doing well. The rub is one of my favorite things ever. But you do have that new. Uh, mustard-based sauce, and we had talked about it a couple months ago when you were uh, kind of deriving and finishing up the recipe and taking it to the bottling manufacturer. Uh, is it? It is available for sale now? Uh, it is available. Um, it's limited retail right now. We are in the process of getting it out to our other retailers. Uh, you know, We're in about 40 states now and about 1,500 stores, and the process is, is fairly cumbersome. Even after you've kind of cracked the door, you still have to go through review processes. And the product came out a little bit late. Most of the, the retail is looking for sauces in the fall um, to put on the shelves in the spring. And this came out towards the, the uh, late winter, early spring. So we were a little bit behind the eight ball in that process. Uh, you know, we're, we're pushing it. Um, I, you know, we just had a couple of big orders that are going to be going out. Um, to a couple major national distributors, to some of their stores, but I think you'll probably see it more frequently in the next uh, next year uh, in a lot of major grocery stores. And uh, we will, um, you know, we actually don't have it on our website yet because we're still trying to produce the amount that we need for our, our sales. But we're actually uh, in two weeks going to be uh, major production, so we should have it up on the website in the next uh, three weeks or so. Does pork barrel barbecue send mustard-based barbecue sauce or anything that you sell for crying out loud to the uh, great country of Germany? Uh, we have not. Um, we have tried to ship some internationally, and if anyone has any tips on this, we would certainly love to get them. And our products, for some reason, have been getting huge tariffs placed on them, particularly Canada. You know, we were on Shark Tank, and, and Shark Tank is very huge in Canada. And I bet I get a dozen emails a week from folks in Canada that are like, hey, I saw you on a rerun of Shark Tank up here, and I'm trying to get your stuff, and I can't get it. Um, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to have Dr. Barbecue uh, take some over with him uh, to the U.K. and, and start our <laughs> Uh, process. We are trying to work with uh, a buddy of ours over in the UK, A.D. Platts, who uh, many of you probably know A.D., and if, if you don't, you've probably seen his sweet jambo on Facebook that's got the Union Jack and the American flag on it, and he's opened up a barbecue store over there, and uh, we're trying to work uh, out some way to get it over there that uh, is reasonably priced on shipping, so it doesn't cost him a lot, doesn't cost us a lot, and, and it doesn't cost the customers a lot. 
All right. So regardless, whether it be Germany or uh, perhaps, let's say, the Netherlands or anything, like you're just having issues getting it out there. We are at this point. We are working with a couple of international uh, distribution uh, firms, um, and it seems as if Asia is a, a fairly easy step to take um, for some reason over Europe. Um, but uh, we're working on that and trying to get uh, folks that, that uh, have done that and know that process better than we do so we can get it overseas because uh, we have had a fair number of folks. And I, I think particularly in, in the U.K., you know, it seems like there's a really growing barbecue presence there. Absolutely. Evidently, because grill stock is going to be happening this coming weekend, and Ray Lamphy is going to be there as well. We're talking with Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue. Porkbarrelbbq.com is the website in case you want to check it out. Uh, what other products uh, that you have in development that might be coming out? Rumor has it, and I hope I'm not letting anything out of the bag here, but I'm going to roll the drum roll anyway. A hickory smoked room freshener. What do you know about that? <laughs> Um, I don't know what I know about that other than I think I was just trying to pull your chain today on Facebook. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you never know. Glade has been in in contact with us to see if we could do that. But uh, I think that's still a few years years away. We've got uh, our our scientists down in the uh, dungeon working on that. Uh, But, no, our our next product that you're probably going to see, this may may be the first time I've ever told this to anybody, so you're getting an exclusive here, is uh, we're about to introduce a uh, barbecue peanut. Barbecue peanut. All right, break it down. Yeah, it's it's going to be a uh, Virginia peanut. You know, Virginia is known for the the quality of their peanuts, Uh, so it'll be a a nice, high-quality peanut from Virginia. You're saying peanut, Uh, right? Peanut, yes. Okay. Like uh, in a nut and a shell. Gotcha. And uh, it, you know, they'll be all shelled, and uh, like a, a something new. You go to the grocery store and you buy in one of those cans and you rip that little seal off, and they're all shelled for you. Uh, you know, we, we're going to be using our our all American spice rub in there, and uh, we've thrown in a, a little bit more salt because you know what's a peanut if it's not a little salty. And uh, I think, you know, the, the tests that we've done with them, they've uh, fared very well, um, and folks have, have seemed to enjoy them. I think, uh, you know, they, they would be a perfect complement to a football game, uh, sitting down with a nice cold boulevard weed out of Kansas City and a nice, nice uh, can of barbecue-flavored peanuts. Now, uh, would you say that these are salty nuts, or are they sweet nuts? What do you think? Uh, no, they're, they're salty. You know, I, I like salty uh, peanuts, and so we've, like I said, we've added a little bit more salt to them than our rub has, and uh, you know we've worked, like I say, with a great company that uh, does Virginia peanuts that has been doing this for years. So they they were uh, really instrumental in kind of working out the formula with us. So uh, you know, I, I think that uh, that's probably going to come out in time for uh, for football season. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, when is that coming out? Do you have a, a price point on that right now? We haven't come up with it yet, but I'm thinking, you know, it's probably going to be five or six bucks for a, um, a, a can. All right. So that sounds absolutely. Now, to me, Heath, that one sounds like a winner. Now, let's transition over to one of the worst products ever introduced in the world of pork barrel barbecue, and that's Q Cologne. All right. We've had a number of weeks, and let's, let's be blatantly honest here. Obviously, I am wrong. There's no denying it. I'd heard through uh, other various channels that you had like another order of uh, 1,000 bottles being ready to be shipped out. So there is no doubt, undisputable evidence that my take is completely on its own in an island somewhere. And I am wrong. People are buying it by the boatload. Did you have any idea that it was going to be this successful? 
Well, we, this is our third order that we've placed. Uh, we should be getting a thousand bottles sometime this week from the uh, manufacturer at the the Cologne facility, the uh, fragrance facility. Um, no, it's been a huge hit. You know, uh, some people are like you and, and don't uh, particularly care for the scent, um, but they're still buying it because they think it's fun and uh, a novel item. I'd say we have 25% of the people that like how it smells, 25% of the people like yourself that don't care for the smell, and about 50% of the people that just get it for what it is, which is a, a fun novelty item that uh, you know is a is a barbecue scented cologne um, that you know smells pretty smoky and uh, a little sweet. Uh, but you know, I know you claim we've set barbecue back a few thousand years, but uh, I think I only said ten years. Okay, ten years. Uh, but hey, you know, when was the last time a barbecue guy had an article in, on Glamour dot com? I know. Again, I, I can't we're, argue we're with take, the proof. Sports Illustrated, Glamour, places, man. Yeah, I mean, you're taking it to heights unknown, and and I will cons- I will argue against myself why I am wrong to not like it so much because of the success and the publicity that you have. I mean, a mastermind beyond, uh, of seismic and gargantuan proportions, and that's Heath Hall from uh, Pork Barrel Barbecue. Uh, all right, Heath, uh, once, uh, one quick question, and I, I think you said in the fall, did you have a, a target date that you were shooting for when opening the restaurant? Uh, we haven't set an official date yet, but we're, we're thinking it's going to be sometime in August. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of things that um, had been kind of stalling us. Uh, we're past those. Our furniture arrived, so we've got it in a warehouse uh, waiting the finishing of the floors to bring those in. Uh, almost all the tile work's done. Most importantly to the, the folks listening on this show, uh, the Southern Pride is out of the box and in place and nice. being uh, hooked up, so... We will soon have a uh, ability to actually do what a barbecue restaurant needs to do, and that's smoke some meat. Um, it's going to be a really, really spectacular um, restaurant. I think it's it's got stonework. We've got this really beautiful Brazilian soapstone bar top. It's kind of a, a dark hunter green with some red blood streaks through it, and uh, we found this really cool, uh, about ten foot long, six foot wide solid piece of wood still with the bark on it that's going to be our community table Mm. um so i think it's going to be uh, a really nice looking place and uh you know no one really cares how a barbecue joint looks if the food doesn't taste good but you know in this extra time we've had we've been really focusing on on the menu and trying to nail down the recipes uh you know we'll probably still be messing with them a little bit once we actually get into the smoker and see how it cooks and uh, see see what kind of changes we may or may not need to do. But, uh, you know, we're excited. We're ready to pack the tools away and uh, light the fire. Riddle me this, Heath. When the restaurant is open and uh, this Internet radio host decides to get wheels and make his way south a little bit, is there any way that the Barbecue Central Radio Network uh, – flagship station of the Barbecue Central Radio Show might be able to do a live remote broadcast from the Pork Barrel Barbecue Restaurant. Done. Yeah! And you're going to be a live guest. So don't even think about, you know, having to be out of town on that one because you're going to be right there co-hosting the show with me. 
Uh, so we'll, uh, we, we, this is something that we have to do. We're going to have to, once you're established and you're up and running and, uh, you know, that, uh, main interest has died off. Cause obviously I'm going to bring in a lot of people myself cause I'm going to be going on the road. Uh, we'll set me up in the corner there right by like a beer tap. And then, you know, it'll be, right at the bar. It'll, it will at least be a two hour show of coherence followed by three to four hours of utter gluttony and profanity. And who knows what else would follow. So we're talking with Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue. Again, the website porkbarrelbbq.com. Uh, Heath, always appreciate the time. Congratulations on the big win this past weekend. And we will look for you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Take it easy, and uh, everybody have a happy 4th of July. And uh, if you're out there cooking this weekend, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon and see you on the, the road. All right, take care, Heath. There he is. Doing an easy 50 minutes, and now I've put Kevin Bevington in the unenviable task of potentially having to run over his time frame here. But I do have one, two, three, four, eh, maybe five minutes. Okay, uh, this is Pork in the Park interviews with uh, my embedded reporter, Kelly Dodd, doing a little talk up here for about 30 seconds. This is Kelly Dodd reporting for Barbecue Central Radio at the 19th Annual Safeway Barbecue Battle in Washington, D.C. This year, the event has changed in that it used to be both MBN and KCBS. This year, it is only KCBS, and the events are split into two days. Chicken and brisket on Saturday, and then ribs and pork on Sunday. I'm off to go find... Kiwow, Cereal Grillers, Bare Knuckles Barbecue, Horse Barrel Barbecue, and Chas Old South. All right, so there we have it. Uh, Kelly giving us a little breakdown of uh, the event and how it had changed as she caught up with Bare Knuckle Barbecue. I'm with Big Jim Stanzel from Bare Knuckles Barbecue. How many years have you been coming to this competition? Uh, this is our second year here in D.C. at the Safeway Barbecue Battle. This event appears much larger scale than others. Also, the teams aren't separated from the crowds. How does this affect your cook? Um, my cook is different because I'm here with Honda, who's a vendor. So I'm obviously the farthest team out. Um, it doesn't, it just, we just add a little more time to our walking distance, you know, so our turning, it takes a little longer than uh, normal, but we just add for that time. Okay. Um, how do you feel about this new format where it's only KCBS? Um, it's a little different. It's okay, but I understand they just didn't, they couldn't do the NBN this year, so they usually have, you're familiar with it, right? KCBS on Saturday. I, I really don't like to split it up. I'd rather do it all that day and then be done, do something the second day. So it's a little, you know, it messes up your timing when you're used to doing all four categories. And where will we see you next? I will be in Dillard, Georgia. Thank you for your time. Thank you. All right, so there was a big Jim Stancil from Bare Knuckle, and she caught up uh, with Mark Breen from Cereal Grill. I'm with Mark from Cereal Grillers. How many years have you been coming to this competition? Oh, this is our second year. Okay. So. Um, this event appears much larger scale than others. Also, the teams aren't separated from the crowd. The crowds. How does this affect your cook? Uh, it, it doesn't really. I could come in with the same mindset and the same timelines and try to, to do the, the best I can with that. It's no really change other than, of course, the time changes. Uh, it's really just trying to relate them back to, you know, your, your regular timeline, so to speak. So it has a, we'll know a little more uh, about awards time, but yeah. I, hopefully, hopefully they turn out good. So. How do you feel about this new format? Uh, I would prefer to just get it all over done. Are you talking about the two-day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would 
prefer to just do it all in, in, in one day. Uh, when you start spreading it out like that, you just, I don't know yet. We're just used to doing all four categories uh, the same day, so. And where will we be seeing you next? Uh, we should be in uh, either Greenwood, South Carolina, or uh, the Q and Cruise in, in Louisa, Virginia, uh, the second or third week in July. So. Thank you for your time. All right. You're- all right. So there is Mark Breen from Serial Griller. And then we caught up with Mike Wozniak, the Wizard of Woz. I'm here with Mike from QL Barbecue. Last year you won here, which qualified you for Jack Daniels, which you ended up winning. How does it feel to be back here defending your title? Uh, we're happy to be back. I mean, uh, this, this contest is a little different. It's hard to get in and out of, you know, uh, load in and everything. But it's a nice contest, and we're glad to be back. Does being defending champion add pressure to your cook? No, we cook the same every weekend. Uh, we don't do anything different, you know. Uh, but, yeah, we would like to win again. But, you know, the chances of winning two times in a row is are slim. You know, uh, it doesn't happen too often. We've done it before, but you never know. How do you feel the cook went? Uh, I was proud of everything. We turned in four good categories. We had really good pork. I thought we had really good ribs. Our uh, brisket was pretty good yesterday, and so was the chicken. How do you feel about this new format where it's only KCBS? Uh, well, my understanding is they may go back in New Memphis again next year. They had a problem this year, but, uh, uh, you know, we're KCBS cooks, so I, I prefer the, just the KCBS uh, portion rather than uh, doing the other. Okay. And where will you be next? Oh, we're going to do a little contest in Illinois, in southern Illinois, so it's close to our home for Fourth July weekend. Thank you for your time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mike was ready to uh, give more answers, but Kelly was like, yeah, you're done. Uh, I got to move on to the next guy. By the way, uh, the next guy, oh, man, almost made a terrible mistake right there. Uh, The next guy happens to be the, uh, is he the most winningest man in competition barbecue? Myron Mixon. I'm with Myron Mixon from Jack's Old South. How do you feel the cook went? The cook went great today. Uh, This is our 14th year being here at the barbecue battle my same way. We've won it 12 times already, you know, and it's like it always has been. Our times were dead on perfect. We got our turn-ins right. Uh, everything looked good. The blind boxes were great. The posh we used at the bar because you can decorate here. I mean, it's really good. I hear you have a new cookbook out, which must add to your popularity. Have you had trouble focusing on the cook with the crowds, or have they not been an issue? Well, I mean, a lot of people come over here for the cookbook, uh, smoking with Myron Mixon. They made the New York Times bestseller list. But, you know, I got a great team here, and they fill in for whenever I need to be out here with the crowds because I'm going out and talk to the people that buy my products. They buy my books. They buy my sauces and rubs. I'm not going to hide from them and shun them because they what makes me. Um, how do you feel about this year's new format? This year's format, I mean, it's a little bit different. I miss the whole hog being here. I love to do the whole hog. But, you know, barbecue is barbecue. And so if they did it all in one day or do it in two days, I'll be here. <laughs> Thank you for your time. You're very welcome. All right, so uh, very classy, Myron Mixon. Look, uh, just to keep it in the same vein here, you know, when I'm going to be, when I travel out into the public, you know, people, when I ascend to the Giant Eagle shopping area, when I'm filling up with gas and my very cool Chickmobile, better known as the Dodge Grand Caravan SXT with DVD player. 
you know, people are descending upon me. I'm not going to hide from them. I don't have a chauffeur that takes me around and I just sit in the back seat. I, I uh, disseminate amongst the general public and make, you know, I hand a uh, hand clasp and glad hand and do all this other stuff. Uh, you know, nothing uh, illegal, mind you. But I, much like Myron, I'm here to make sure that the public is, uh, you know, here for me and that I am here for them because they make me um, successful. You guys that sit here and listen to the show every week make the show successful. It's not me just talking into the microphone. It's the fact that people have an interest in the show. All right. Uh, final interview uh, just happens to be with the winner of the person I just had on for the last 54 minutes, Heath Hall and uh, Pork Barrel Barbecue. I'm with the 19th annual Safeway Barbecue Battle Champions, Heath and Brett from the Pork Barrel Barbecue. How does it feel to not only win this competition, but also automatically qualify for this year's Shaq Daniels? It is a, a thrill beyond words, and I would be remiss, and I know Brett would feel the same way, if we didn't uh, shout out to uh, Rod Gray of Pellet Envy and Pat Burke of Tower Rock, uh, two guys who have taken us under their wings this past uh, two years and uh, taken us from uh, not too bad of uh, barbecuers to uh, the team that was able to win this contest this week. And I didn't even realize that we would get into the jack by winning it, so that's fantastic. All right. There's our reaction. All right. Thank you, and congratulations. Yeah! Winners of the D.C. Cook-Off, uh, Heath and Brett. So congratulations to those guys. And again, thanks to Heath Hall for joining me the past uh, roughly hour talking about the event itself and why it differed and then about the products as well. Uh, look, always appreciate you guys hanging out with me each and every Tuesday. Jam-packed show already for next week. You thought this was packed next week? Packed! Back-to-back with barbecue attack. Email coming in from Mo Kason calling his shot. Hold on a second. He's calling his shot here. Mo Kason saying he's going to be first in pork for team of the year uh, next year in 2011. He has just finished his 10th contest this past weekend, and he thinks... Oh, wait, wait a second. My bad. Let me redo that. Goal for 2011. Mo Kason is calling a shot, saying that he is going to be first in pork for Team of the Year in KCBS. He's just finished his 10th contest this past weekend. He thinks he can do it. So do I. So do I, Mo. And if you do it, you get to come on the show. And as a matter of fact, Mo, when you're coming on the show, brother, you tune into the show, you're a fan of the show, you've been on television, you meet all of my credentials for being on the show. You didn't even have to be on television, and I would have let you come on the show. When you're coming on the show, people want to know. There's people in the instant chat want to know when the BMC is coming on the BCRN. You tell me. We'll set a date and we'll do this thing. So uh, there you go. All right. Let me uh, go ahead and pretend like I'm getting out again. Huge show next week. Thanks to Rod Gray for joining me. Second segment in the first hour talking about the Lenexa win. Thanks to Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy for talking about grill stock. Grillstock.co.uk. It's going to be going on this weekend in Bristol, England. Look for that. Also, thanks to Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue for talking about their win down in D.C. PorkBarrelBBQ.com is his website. Uh, Rod Gray's website, by the way, PelletEnvy.com, and he's sponsored by Greased Lightning and Easy Grill. Check them out. I'm going to help you to remind you to control the rusty grill population. If you have raw cast iron and you cook on it, Season it each and every time after you cook on it. It'll give you years of reliable use. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe.
Say it with me. Good night now. <laughs> <laughs>